Alright everybody, welcome to Back in Tunes. This episode, as you can tell from the theme music that's been playing, we're going to focus on Johnny Bravo and Dexter's Laboratory. This is our second part of three episodes, I think, maybe four if we can stretch it out a little bit, where we focus on those very early Cartoon Network original hits. I'm your host, Michael, and my guest this week is Andrew. Welcome back, Andrew. How's it going, Mike? Alright, I'm glad to finally get this taken care of. Sometimes I get overwhelmed. I, I kind of think I have an addiction to podcasting. I have too many shows going at once, so sometimes I forget about things that sit on the back burner. So, I'm <laughs> sorry to leave you hanging. No, no worries at all, man. Like I told you, I'm, I'm ready whenever you are. Glad to help out and uh, be a part of this. Uh, the last one, I'll, I'll admit that I wasn't, um, I didn't have really strong memories of the two cartoons that we talked about. Like, I had to go revisit them. Johnny Bravo and Dexter's Laboratory, while I did rewatch some of the episodes, this is something that's firmly planted in my brain. I still, to this day, will wander around going, oh, mama. <laughs> Not because of Elvis, because of Johnny Bravo. Of course. Uh, Johnny Bravo was, was awesome. You know, I, I remember uh, me growing up, um, I mean, I'll admit right now, you know, I'm a, I'm a mama's boy, you know, because my, I grew up single mother and everything like that. So it's funny to see a cartoon like Johnny Bravo with this guy you see who's, you know, uh, the perfect epitome of, of man, you know, he's buff, you know, he's somewhat good looking, I guess you can say for a cartoon. Then he's kind of has, you know, this, this, he's kind of like mommy type of issues, not really issues, but you know, he's raised by his mama, he's a mama's boy and, and uh, everything's about mama, you know, um, when he's not chasing girls, but it's, it's such a funny show and I, I can relate in some aspects of that being, you know, a mama's boy. The, uh, there's a slight Pepe Le Pew quality to him as well, where he seems to be like this clueless buffoon who just goes after the girl, regardless of whether or not they seem to be interested. Yeah, just kind of, uh, you know, putting the moves on him and uh, um, flexing and things like that and, and uh, taking the girl, you know, and kind of uh, dipping her over and, and, and trying to sweet talk his way into her. And then, you know, usually ends up in a, in a slap or some pepper spray <laughs> in the face. Um, do you remember when they were going to make a live action version of this? You know, I, I had heard rumors about it, and I was so, like, I was wishing that it would happen, because it would be totally awesome to see something like that, and of course to hear the hoo-ha, hoo, and, and just to see who would be able to play, you know, Johnny Bravo to the fullest, but uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a bummer, it never, it never materialized and anything like that. Do you know who they signed on originally for the development, and then he backed off? Well, I've seen, I seen those promotional posters of The Rock, uh, so I don't know if that were, like, definitely going with him you know kind of would have been a, a little funny he's definitely kind of up there as far as someone you, you might think could play him uh and it, it'd be a, a really funny funny thing to see him do that but i guess yeah he, he backed out yeah the one person i'd actually like to see do it I and mean, he's probably aged out of the role but uh do you know who patrick warburton is uh no i don't uh he's on rules of engagement he was in the tick tv show seinfeld okay does okay, a yeah. bunch of animation yeah. voice work he seems like the kind yeah. of crazy looking guy that would pull that off yeah you know it'd have to be someone definitely that that has that kind of uh squarish jaw i guess you could say that uh, johnny bravo has because it's definitely someone who's gonna be you know a very masculine epitome of of, of manliness of course and he has that kind of role. I think he could pull that off. Uh, you know, yeah, he, yeah. He hasn't aged he, out he of totally it. But there, there's somebody, uh, if they could, you know, pull off um, Underdog and, you know, Yogi Bear, which are full CGI creation, they can definitely get, they can find an actor who can pull off the humor and clueless stupidity. <laughs> just, just so, he's so myopic in what he wants sometimes. It, it gets him into trouble. Yeah, it, it would have been funny, too, if, if they would have done something earlier and you probably 
possibly could have had someone like Lou Ferrigno do it too, because just think, just this huge beefcake, just do it. The list might have messed it up a little bit, but yeah. it would have been funny to see that you know him out there. And this was on for four years, and uh, I didn't realize that it had won so many awards, but it definitely earned it. I, I thought it was a truly enjoyable show. Oh yeah, definitely, and and you get the 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 show, you know. It, it's not necessarily centered around, uh, you know, get, picking up girls and things like that. But, you know, he had his uh, his neighbor friend who was like a Girl Scout that he'd have those interactions with, too, and, and see the dynamic between their, their relationship. And he helps her with some things and, and she totally, you know, sometimes gets the better of him when they're when they're going through some of their their adventures together in the show. So. That's a, that's a good dynamic, too, that you see, other than just him trying to pick up chicks the whole time. Yeah, it's a, a little bit of the Inspector Gadget quality, where Inspector Gadget was actually kind of a clumsy doofus, and then it was mm -hmm. Penny, and uh, what's the dog's name? Um, I can't remember. Those two would always save his butt every episode, and it's kind of like that with Johnny Bravo, where basically this girl has to save him and guide him along half the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I remember a lot of episodes, uh, like, well, one of the episodes in particular when he's helping her sell Girl Scout cookies and, and you know, he's he's trying to pick up chicks along the way, too. And she's kind of that one that is is saving him in that aspect where he's, she's trying to get him back on task. But it, it's definitely funny. I, I, I enjoyed that show thoroughly. And, and me and I, I remember me and a couple of my friends would definitely, you know, throw out the hoo-ha. <laughs> oh, mom. I'm a karate dude. Hoo-ha. <laughs> This is uh, one of the last productions by Hanna-Barbera. And um, if you grew up in the 80s and you viewed what Hanna-Barbera was offering to you, it was pretty much garbage. If it wasn't for the rise of Cartoon Network giving Hanna-Barbera Studios something different, another avenue to create these new uh, style of cartoons, because they're even different than the weirdo cartoons like the Ren and Stimpy, uh, Rocco's Modern Life that Nickelodeon had a handle on, this is almost a return to classic style animation but with updated stories. Uh, I'm just glad that they ended their careers doing something great like this instead of more of the cookie cutter garbage they did in the '80s. Yeah, and and you know at that time too things got a little repetitive with with like the Looney Tunes and um, you know the like wacky racer type of cartoons where it seemed like the same the same type of thing over and over again. Um, where you're seeing um, some some craziness in, in the cartoons, but it's all repetitive craziness. You know, um, Bugs Bunny is doing the same. You know, pretending he's he's a girl act in which Elmer Fudd's, you know, pursuing him and and that that stuff, you know, probably at that point was getting a little old with with a lot of the people that were viewing these things, and and of course these these cartoons, you know, albeit on the same type of network, uh, you start seeing something new, something fresh, something a little different than what you're used to as far as the same mundane type of cartoon. Yeah, there literally was a point where Hanna Barbera was making cartoons out of live action sitcoms. There was a Gilligan's Planet, uh, mm -hmm. the Fonzie, uh, Laverne and Shirley cartoon hour. I mean, it's just, uh, the, the, I think, um, what's the kid name from Different Strokes? Uh, the one that passed away. What you talking about? Um, Gary Coleman. Yeah, Gary he had Coleman. He his own cartoon, and you're just like, oh, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. A Mr. T cartoon? Come on, you got to come up with something original. <laughs> and in the 90s, basically washed all that away. And that's why we had so much fresh stuff coming up, especially on cable. Cable had different rules than the networks did. Mm -hmm. and I, I was going to say, there's one thing that surprised me about this, is when I was looking through some of the people who worked on it, I didn't realize this is where Seth MacFarlane started. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that either. 
Yeah, he must have only been on for a little bit. Then he went on to, of course, create Family Guy, which most people love. I can't stand, and it's still on. I have no idea why it's still on. Yeah, some some of the I think it's it's got uh, it was one of those cartoons that definitely pushed limits uh, as far as what it was showing. Definitely, of course, an, an adult cartoon. Nothing that I would let my kids watch. You know, now that I'm a dad, I, I totally watched it when I was younger. But it has that same like South Park thing where it was so kind of over the top and 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 out there and like you couldn't believe they were getting away with putting this on tv that you tuned in every week to see what else was happening and eventually they just did so much and so many things over the top and so many randomness i think that that's what it it gets its laughter from is just how random it could be um that people are are you know starting to get a little tired of it and and you know, you, you can only be so random and do so many crazy off the wall things to where it starts being old, old news. So, you know, kind of happened with South Park, you know, happening with with Family Guy and, and American Dad and, and those those cartoons that are on right now. So I think that that's that's it's trailing on that. It's, it's getting to the point where, you know, it's it's not new anymore. So something needs to be reinvented. Yeah, I think there is a revival going on right now. of These kind of cartoons we're discussing on this episode uh, you know, the, the new generations discovering them because their parents watched it, so it's coming back around again. So you might be seeing like either reboots or, you know, nicely packaged editions to find the store to get you interested in. It's like the same way it was with uh, Scooby Doo and the Looney Tunes; they're repackaged, given to our generation. Yeah, and you get you get like we discussed, you know, in the last episode, we discussed the Powerpuff Girls kind of coming back, having new episodes and things like that. So, getting that nostalgia factor for. So. You know, we had that nostalgia factor uh, from parents wanting to watch a show with their kids. And, and I, I definitely remember watching it, you know, with my son, again, as we prepared for the, the episode, uh, watching it with him and showing him what I was kind of into. And, and he caught on to a lot of the newer episodes and even some of the older ones. So you kind of get that nostalgia factor, like I said, from it coming back and then, you know, parents wanting to watch it and then kids wanting to watch it because their parents are watching it. And it just creates a, a better family feel for it. Kind of the same thing that happened with, with the whole, you know, reboot of like the Boy Meets World and Girl Meets World, you know, that Disney did. Uh, or well, they got Fuller House now. It's weird that na- a 90s nostalgia is in full effect, but it completely makes sense. It just makes me feel really old <laughs> that it's now the 90s nostalgia. I'm like, what? No. Yeah, it was just not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think, I think, for you know my generation you know these these 90 kids that are out there i think that's that's what it's all about like it's all about that nostalgia factor and and reminiscing about the things that you were doing when you were a kid you know these you know whether it be wrestling cartoons uh tv shows uh you know it it, that's that's what matters sometimes and you see those posts on facebook like oh if you're a 90s kid you remember this and i think i think that our generation or my generation that's that's kind of what we bank on that's what that's what gives us a lot of our good memories and then want to create those new memories because, you know, it's kind of a, its own elite club of generation, I guess you could say. Yeah, I I was thinking about this the other day. I don't think nostalgia existed before the Vietnam War. If you look at anything pre-era, that era, you don't see anybody reflecting on the 20s and 30s. You know, it's usually a 20 to 30 year cycle with nostalgia. It just depends on when those kids start having their own kids is when they start reflecting on their childhood. And I just don't see any of that. And all of a sudden, right after Vietnam was over, we got American Graffiti, which is like the first like significant nostalgia moment where they're reflecting on 1960. And then you had Happy mm-hmm. Days, and then just kept building from there. So by the time you got to the 90s, you're reflecting on the 70s. That's why we had that 90, uh, that 70s show. 
Uh, and then, of course, lately we've been getting a lot of the 80s flashback, like stuff that was 30 years ago. And then we're just now leaking into early 90s. So, like, you're going to see stuff with Parker Lewis Can't Lose and Ferris Bueller. Uh, you know, uh, that's not what I want to say. Fresh Prince is what I want to say. You know, I bet you there'll be a reboot of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially because, you know, that's a show that, that you know, went on for so long. And so many people have memories about that show. And it, it's one of those shows where, uh, you know, of course, at the time, you, you've got this kid who's who's you know, in Will Smith, who's kind of, you know, hip hop rapper type type person who is making music and then he has his own show. So, you know, music, comedian, you know, movie star transcending into that. So there's a lot of really, really good life lessons. I remember watching, you know, as a kid watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and and seeing someone that was a little little different be thrown into, you know, this kind of um, different lifestyle as far as, you know, he's he's forced to move with his his uh his aunt and his uncle because his mother wants a better life for him. And so you see kind of a street kid grow up in a, a uh, civilized type of society and, and the differences that, that those kind of make and, and things like that. So I, I really loved Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when I was growing up. I, I've seen a handful of shows, you know, now like this year. So it's, it's definitely one of those shows as well that kind of will transcend some time. Yeah. It seems like our generation is like the last of, the kind that were exposed to programming that taught you something now it's just like oh that's so cheesy we don't need to do that no i, I kind of think it's important that in the stuff you watch like when you watch gi joe they would tell you at the end of it or whatever it was like violence is bad or whatever they would teach you that week and you know they do the same thing with all the sitcoms they would have all um, usually they would have a message somewhere in there to learn from i don't see that anymore yeah and and, and that's the cool thing too like Back then, you know, when, when things were serious, I mean, as as much of a comedy as shows like The Fresh Prince were or, or any other sitcoms that were on those days, they always dealt an episode or two with something very serious. And whether it be domestic violence or, or anything like that, and they'd have those messages at the end of the show, you know, when, when the sitcom essentially was over, like, hey, you know, if, if you or anybody you know is a victim of domestic violence, you know, call, reach out to these numbers or these people and, and things like that. So now in, in today's world you don't see a whole lot of of lessons learned type of of programming uh, i think what you're seeing is is a lot of reality tv show programming where uh sometimes the reality is is you know put in under a microscope and really blown out of proportion in a lot of the shows and to make there be drama and and oh you know this person uh, is is a victim of this, and, and this is what happens. And, and it's more reality TV, whether it be scripted or not, than, than it would be lessons learned uh, from sitcoms yeah, or something like, that's written. It's like a cynical disconnect from the world. Either they're being snarky about it or they're overanalyzing something so much that it, it takes out any human elements. And I think the 90s nostalgia that's, that's been building or whatever is kind of a reflection on people who are sick of that. Yeah, yeah, and people, you know, the, the whole reality TV era, I think people are, are sick of it. You know, people are, are done watching it. Uh, you know, you've got some of these shows, these more popular reality TV shows like Jersey Shore, like, uh, you know, 16 and Pregnant, or, or even like some of, of these other shows that are on that, that you know, have, have portrayed a different lifestyle and how things are, and sometimes in some aspects glorify it, and in other aspects, you know, sometimes shame it. Um, and, and people are so worried about, about that, about ending up like that or being like that. It's, 
it's it's really different uh, as far as what you see now. But you know, you you do have the shows like like Fuller House, you know, and and things like that. It'll hopefully bring back that that era of sitcom that'll provide a message more than than just something you watch for entertainment. Yeah, and it, it's it is a recognizable brand, so I get why some of the networks are doing this instead of creating original content. But I'm kind of hoping that with them bringing back Powerpuff Girls and you know some of the other shows that they're starting to bounce around in their house, like are we going to bring this back, bring this back? It'd be cool if they intermixed a new one, an old one, a new one, an old one. That way you get to see the next generation creating animation mixed in with the old team coming together. Yeah, so a little little meshing of styles, uh, you know, or, or doing some some type of crossover things. That that's really cool. The one thing that, and this might be going a little off topic, like one thing I really like about like Adventure Time is they have a lot of sh- those shows that are, you know, purely how the animation was from the start, and then you have a, a show that's way out there done in like claymation, or another one done in like like really really rough drawings i don't know if you've seen any of these episodes still, but I have, you've, it, been tell, you've been telling me for years to check this out for some reason i just keep skipping it i don't know why <laughs> yeah they they just had a a show uh, one of the shows on their new season that's like all claymation like and it's kind of like one of those things where you don't know it until the opening like the, the show's opening is actually coming on and it's all claymation it's all something totally different it's like wow that's that's kind of it's kind of different it's, it's kind of a you know you still get your your lovable characters that you have but it's just in a different style. Yeah, it's a weird technical and historical view at what animation has been and what it will be, and it shows the kids that are discovering cartoons now where they came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it takes, I think it, takes, it pays some homage to that because uh, you definitely have, I think one episode too is like a, it looked like it was an all felt type of episode where oh, everybody really? was made like in felt. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really impressive, like, how how they how many of these that they've done? I you know when you get a chance to look it up because it, it's it's really impressive yeah, and, totally and like I said you don't even yeah, yeah you, you don't even know it until the opening credits come on and you see it's different and you're like oh hey like this is interesting this is new so uh, kind of swinging it back into the dire- uh, direction of the show uh, Johnny Bravo uh, you know I didn't realize that this was basically a college thesis this started off as a project to graduate with and, and can you believe it got turned into I mean if you had any of your homework turned into something this big it would just make your brain explode oh. yeah and and it must have been totally awesome seeing like your essentially your baby being portrayed for four years and, and you know winning all these these awards and things like that yeah I didn't realize that it got broken up either uh, i didn't discover until around 2001 2002 because i didn't get cartoon network where i lived i had to go to a bigger city where a friend of mine lived and he was like have you ever seen cartoon network i'm like i've heard of it but what's on there and then i got to watch like adult swim and you know i, I just stayed at his house i don't think i moved for about 12 hours just and i was like can you tape a bunch of this to me and <laughs> send it to me and so i think i caught around the third season but production on animation is usually uh all over the place like the simpsons and family guy it makes sense you know they uh they're almost constant you know the script gets turned in the anime it takes six months to finish an episode it seems but cable like you wait seasons between venture brothers you know some of this stuff it takes forever to do the lower budget independent uh animation yeah you don't have the the money driving those deadlines and things like that it's kind of like well you know, when we when we perfect it, when we get it to where we like it, then we'll put it out. You, you get a lot of people who are independently doing this these things that you know they they want to keep the quality in their work, and and that's so important to to some of those. That's what keeps a lot of the shows going is because of the quality of the work, not something that's rushed or just put out there because they have to meet a deadline. 
Yeah, and it allows the guys who created it to have more control. Instead of it being a studio property, like, I know Matt Groening, Groening is the head of The Simpsons, you know, for the last 25 years, but is he really? Or is Fox been just dictating everything for him? Yeah. There, um, there was a comic book series apparently announced by IDW, but as far as I know, it's never been made, which is, it's hard to take an animated character and put him into comic book form. Yes, he looks like it, but the movements, you know, it just, I don't think the story translates the same. Yeah, there's, there's, I think the only time I can remember, the only thing that I, I see having a big, a kind of a big following is, is like the Adventure Time comics. Like there's comics, you know, from the show and, and that takes taken on a life of, of its own. I've, I've talked to some people that are Adventure Time fans and talked to me about the comics and generally interested in the comics too. But yeah, it's, it's really hard to get that character uh, in something that you have to read and you have to sit there and, and, and see artwork on it and, and things like that, still motion type of things. Which is ironic since the other way around works perfectly fine. Like taking the superhero yeah. character yeah. to turn into a cartoon, you're probably like, X-Men, awesome, Batman, awesome. Yeah. Uh, there, uh, there was a game for the PlayStation 2. Did you ever play it? For what? what, for what? Uh, there was a Johnny Bravo game for the PlayStation 2. Oh. What did you think? Uh, no. I can't imagine. I, I, uh, asking girls and they slap you. The most slaps get all the points. <laughs> yeah, or you, know, you work out or, you know, take take a trip to the beach with your shirt off and how many times you can flex. You <laughs> <laughs> can't imagine. I know that they had... Game. Yeah, they had a... Um, they had a game for the GameCube. I think it was uh, a fighting type of game with with some of the characters, with like Johnny Bravo, Ed, Ed and Eddie, um, and even even uh, Blue from Fosters. Uh, I, I forget what it's called though, but they had a, they had that game. I think I played a little bit of that game. I seem to remember that wasn't that long ago. It seems like maybe like the last yeah. four or five years. What did you do? Did you yeah, game... just took out his comb and like whipped his hair at you? <laughs> oh, <hole. laughs> flex his muscles, punching the yeah. face with a bicep. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't want to get punched with a Johnny Bravo fist or, or uh, you know, bicep for that matter, or even, you know, peck. Put his karate moves on you. <laughs> yeah, his black belt. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, I remember those episodes where he had his karate uniform on. I think that brings me to the end of that cartoon. Do you have anything else you want to say about Johnny Bravo? Uh, hey, mama. About it. <laughs> those are on DVD, so you can check them out. Uh, our second cartoon is Dexter's Laboratory. At one time, I could have done an excellent uh, impersonation of him. I have no idea how to do it anymore. It's been like 15. But, uh, for a while after this, I just kept going, uh, Yellow DD. No, that's, that's been too long. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, I've, I've got this one down, Pat, man. So I got you, man. Okay. Uh, DD, you're so stupid. Get out of my laboratory. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you definitely that's, had it. That's, yeah, that's the one that I, I would, you know, definitely, I had younger sisters, so they seemed like they were always in my stuff, so definitely related to, to Dexter as well, um, you know, having his own space, having his own area of, of comfort, and having uh, a younger sister just come in and kind of mess everything up. Yeah, I had a younger sister, uh, she pretty much left me alone, so I didn't uh, get it, but I, I, I get annoying sisters, because <laughs> his sister was a pain in the butt. And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally get that part. And they, they couldn't be too, they couldn't even be more opposite uh, in, in characters, you know. One's really girly, you look, her room's pink and has all these all these stuffed animals and everything like that. And then he's kind of just sciencey, has, you know, posters up of, of Einstein and, 
and has this you know secret laboratory that he works on these things on um, unbeknownst of course to these 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 parents of theirs um and just totally opposite and you can see how they they irritated one another uh, dd being that kind of uh more innocent type of character and, and him being kind of straight to the point yeah, well, I thought that Dee Dee was more flighty, like a little flowy, like real kids are. And Dexter is more like an adult. He's like me. He's high strung, a little emotional, and very, very focused. And I was like, oh, so he's not actually a child. He's just an adult in, in smaller package. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's, that's, I think, one of the funny things, too, is like he, he was really short for, for who he was. So they made a lot of those, those type of jokes with Dee Dee being so, like, lengthy and tall and, um, you know, holding something some kind of controller up high to where he couldn't get it and it provided a lot of really cool shows where you know he compensates for that by you know building these these suits of armor sometimes and and trying to get uh trying to be taller and 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 essentially you know defeat his sister in into getting what he needed because she was keeping away from him yeah the funny thing is uh jenny tartofsky uh is an animator that i really dig his style and each cartoon that he has done is completely different uh, I would say the Hotel Transylvania movies are very similar to the style of Dexter, but if you look at Samurai Jack, there's something different level going on there that it's like it's like from a totally different person. Yeah, and Samurai Jack was, you know, it, it had, you know, animation-wise, the 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 drawings and the artwork and everything for that wasn't the style of animation wasn't very complicated. It was really simplified, but but to the magnitude that it was at, like you know, you've got so many so many great uh contrasts and colors and, and movements and everything like that uh, there wasn't a whole lot of, of movement action going in them but what you saw uh was was definitely different in in that you know seeing you know i, I don't i don't remember the, the villain's name but seeing this main villain you know pretty much shrouded in black and then just a couple colors for his eyes his, his nose his mouth uh, i think his goatee and uh seeing seeing the clash between kind of the light and dark in, in those animations yeah, it's, um, it's very similar to a style of a cartoon studio that existed in the 50s and 60s called UPA. Most people don't know them, like the general public doesn't have a clue who they are. They're mainly responsible for doing uh, Mr. Magoo and Gerald McBoing Boing, but they changed the entire look of animation. They went through this streamlined, uh, minimalistic, it was more about the characters and the writings and the style, and uh, after they were they won basically every Oscar for years and years. And when they started to go bankrupt, you know, they, they sold out a little bit. They started doing, like, uh, animation, or not, um, like, TV commercials and stuff like that and Godzilla films. But um, you can see everything that they did. Uh, you can see it like the Looney Tunes cartoons. Like, it's definitely the Roadrunner and the Wile E. Coyote cartoons. You can see that sparse, uh, stylistic look. Yeah, yeah and... Uh... You know, Samurai Jack, I, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of it when I was a kid, but in, in the bits that I got to see was just, uh, like I said, the animation wasn't overly complicated, wasn't, and there was very little movement in a lot of that, uh, but the, the story was so enticing, and and what you saw was, was very, very visually appealing. Yeah, at some point, we should dig into more of those. We can discuss that on a future episode, but... Um... Dexter's Laboratory, you can definitely see, you know, where he was coming from in a wild and crazy designs. Stuff that still would make it into the other cartoons that he would make. But um, there is a, a classic cartoon attitude, you know, set up the, you know, the punchline and stuff like that. You know, he gets in some sort of trap or some sort of uh, experiment gets out of control. Uh, and then it would completely change 
uh, in Samurai Jack, he would have silent episodes or stuff with just like one yeah. major action sequence, and the rest it was him like searching his world. Uh, Dexter's very close to being an old style cartoon. Yeah, and and the cool thing I think about Dexter was was they, he had some of some of his nemesis's nemesis nemesis I guess you could say uh, as well in the show other than just his sister of course and and the different avenues it took so there's there's definitely some instances where uh, I believe uh, one episode they're like uh, battling this this like evil um, monster type Godzilla type of, of thing that's terrorizing the city and you got like Dexter and Dee Dee and and a couple other kids that are in characters that are in the show uh, kind of take on that like Power Ranger Voltron thing where they all come to be one like yeah one robot so you kind of get a little bit of, of that action sequence too that you can see some of the similar similarities between the two cartoons in, in that there is a voice actor in here uh eddie Deason. he played his annoying like science friend he always a really nice voice and like this they talk like this all the time you really you're singing you know you know what i'm talking about man dark <laughs> so, yeah, yeah he, his uh he, if you ever saw him he's just like one of those iconic guys you know him, but you don't <laughs> know what he did he just seemed to pop up everywhere and his voice yeah. is perfect for animation yeah the kind of nerdy geeky and and that was probably you know other than than his sister that was probably De- uh dexter's biggest uh adversary someone who who had uh of like intelligence and and competing in different things uh a funny thing is you know, he he was he was in love with Dee Dee, so that, I think that was was such a different dynamic. You know, imagine being in love with your your nemesis's sister, and and <laughs> how awkward that might have been. <laughs> I can't be too evil with you. Yeah. Uh, this is another cartoon where Seth MacFarlane started on. Uh, him and Butch Hartman both worked on uh, the previous uh, Johnny Bravo, and Butch Hartman, if I remember correctly, created uh, Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah. Fairly Odd Parents, which it seems like it's been on forever. Is that still going? I don't think it's still going. I know they, they I want to say they did like a, they did a live action with somebody from that, uh, for, for Fairly Odd Parents, but I think they stopped a while ago. Oh, okay. uh, I, I could be wrong. I, I think the, the animation stopped and then they came out with the live action later. Uh, but that, that was a long running show too. And, and another show that kind of, did a lot of different things within its animation, you know, to have a live action and then uh, to go and have um, a kid be in all these different worlds. I think there was even one, one like extended or like Nickelodeon movie of it where they, they did a couple different things where they're traveling through these different channels and you see, you know, Timmy Turner as, as normally you'd see him and then as like a puppet, like a felt puppet and a couple of other characters and felt puppet puppetry and and then going into different animation styles and like an anime style and things like that too so um i think i get most of my enjoyment as you can probably tell from from seeing a a cartoon taking on all those different styles sometimes well it mixes up the genre it also tests the creators on what else can they do besides a straightforward cartoon it's something that interested me too i like it when uh, directors do that with live action movies like you'll start off with one thing and it changes the medium or changes the genre yeah, that that's the cool thing I think about a lot of and, and fairly odd parents have been have been doing, you know, shows for years and uh and you know, you just gotta get some point or anything you do for that long, you know, your, your creative juices have to be flowing and always thinking about different ways you can present uh what you wanna show to, to the world and everything like that. And, you know, it feels up to me I'd have every every successful cartoon have some kind of different 
episodes of different styles or, or different 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 way it's done or things like that. Uh, the voice actors on this, there's a few others that uh, I noticed that are noteworthy. Rob Paulson, who is mainly a Warner Brothers kind of guy, he did the voice of Wacko and Yakko on Animaniacs. Um, Tom Kenny, who's SpongeBob SquarePants, and Frank Welker, who was basically in every single cartoon that we've ever discussed ever. He is the most successful voice actor ever. If you are playing the drinking game at home, go ahead and take your drink now because we mentioned Frank Welker. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, he's in almost everything. Everything there is, yeah. <laughs> like I would say 90% of the cartoons we've discussed so far, he's in. <laughs> and if you were to listen to this concurrently, you are slosh right now. You can get through five <laughs> episodes and you are an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah, we don't get to play the game much when I have guests on because there's certain repetitive things that me and Jacob do. If Jacob says uh, yes, then no right afterwards, uh, you take a drink. If I wander <laughs> on forever and ever and then completely stumble over my words, which I have done once, so go ahead and drink for that. And if Frank Walker's mentioned, you take a drink. Yeah. Um, I guess I don't really have much else to say about this. This is definitely one that, you know... Uh, you should watch. It's it's important for the revival of animation during the '90s. It's not just weird and bizarre. Some people actually thought of you know bringing back bringing back the classic style. Yeah. And I think the cool thing with, with you know this this show as well as others that we've discussed is you know they the actual episodes and some sometimes have their their kind of trailing off um, where it's not even related to like Dexter's Laboratory was on and. It was a really quick five-minute cartoon of someone totally different. Like they had uh, the uh, the like makeshift Justice League. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but they had like a, a Van, like a Van Halen character, like a, a guitarist and like a Captain America type person. I forgot his name. And then oh. the uh, the uh, Hulk character. Yeah, um, I don't remember so that they had like those really quick. Yeah, the uh, the Incragable Kronk or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> But they had those little those little five minute cartoons too that were that they throw in, and then you'd see those those characters' faces like on posters in Dexter's room and things like that. So I think it was cool how they did a lot of, of cross kind of animation in, in Dexter's laboratory too. Another one was uh, Dial M for Monkey, the really quick five minute cartoons of of to what Dexter thought was a failed experiment in in a monkey trying to either physically mutate him or, or do something with him and then turns out oh he's got you know secretly he's got superpowers and he works for this undercover agency so uh, i think that that was really cool too that they did that with dexter well I, this is during the time that cartoon network was experimenting more not only did they have the normal scheduled cartoons they always had like um those anthology shows where it'd be like a four or five new characters they're trying to introduce or they would cut them up and then throw one at the end of an episode. Like, Cartoon Network used to have an extra, like, seven minutes at the end of the show. And then they would show, like, a music video, a uh, mix of animation, or promote a new show. Or they'd have one of those experimental shorts. And that's when they were kind of crazy and wild. And I, I liked it more back then than it is now. Yeah, and, and you get a lot of, like, sometimes in those two, a lot of, a lot of little crossovers, too. You'll see, you know, the Powerpuff Girls and then Dexter in the same uh, cartoon, or you see like the the mayor from Powerpuff Girls in another episode of something else. So, a lot of the you know they're very very self aware of of those other shows and and would do a lot of these these kind of cameos and other cartoons and things like that. Which, you know, you always kind of love because you're like, oh hey, you know, there, there's there's the mayor from from uh, um, Townsville in in there, yeah. So, yeah, it's, they were Marvel before Marvel. They were crossing their universe. <laughs> <laughs> it was the cartoon universe. Yeah. You know, I th isn't there 
supposed to be a new series where they're bringing back all these characters? Or am I thinking of a totally different network? Like, um, I thought there was going to be like one world kind of thing that they were doing. Uh, I got to look that up. Yeah. I, I seem to remember yeah. news about six months ago about that. Uh-huh. Or I just made that up. I, I do a lot of drugs. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Huh? In my mind, the world exists. Just high, high on life. <laughs> I'm high on cartoons. <laughs> yeah, nostalgic cartoons. All right, so that brings us to the end of this episode. Everybody, check us out on Facebook under Retro Rock Entertainment or the special page, all for this show. You can catch every single episode. We're almost to 100, Andrew. Can you believe this? 100 episodes. Yeah, I remember we used to talk about this, you know, in the break room oh so long ago, and, and you know, now you're at almost 100 episodes, so that's, you know... Really good congratulations to you, you know, Michael. Hats off to you. And like I was telling you, you know, all the hard work you put into it definitely is uh, starting to pay off. Yeah, it's weird. All of a sudden, the show started to blow up around February, and we're seeing numbers double, triple. Literally, it tripled last month. And that is going out to the people who have been sharing and liking and telling me, you know, if there's something in the show that doesn't work, let me know. I'm not going to be offended. I'm, I'm, I got thick skin. You know, and, and what doesn't work, you know, just we're trying to finagle a new way of doing the show, get it better, you know, adding more music clips. Uh, we're introducing a new format. Uh, besides discussing like one or two cartoons per episode, we're doing the perfect Saturday morning where guests come on and they basically, a what if, if you were the in charge of your own TV network, how would you program Saturday morning? It can be any cartoon, any genre, any... Uh, any decade, it doesn't matter. Anything that's animated, claymation, puppetry, technically counts as animation. It's not hand-drawn, but it's done by, you know, that kind of counts, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think it would. Anything like that. You can program your own morning. Come on the show and we'll discuss it. Because this is a show for the fans, by the fan. And, um, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, like my, my passion's leaking out right now. I better go clean up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I kind of lost where I was going. Uh, Back in Tunes is the Facebook page. You can check out every episode there. And uh, everybody, be excellent to each other. Andrew, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, everybody. Uh, We don't know what cartoons we're going to do next, but we'll surprise you. Good night. Yeah, good night. Welcome to Back in Tunes. We're doing a mini-sode this week discussing Mask, as you can tell from that theme song. I'm your host, Michael, and my guest this week is Robert. What's up, Robert? Howdy, howdy. This is kind of an episode that we've been discussing for a few months now, trying to get it on the board. I'm finally glad we were able to do it. I'm sure people were like, when are you going to discuss this? It's been three years. Get around to it. <laughs> I don't know why I waited so long. <laughs> uh, 
because we're halfway across the country from each other. Well, no, it, it was actually you suggested <laughs> and to make it, it happen. and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I should probably discuss it. That's a pretty big cartoon. <laughs> All right, so for you, why did you choose this one? I'm I'm curious. I I don't know. Uh, it's one of the few that I really liked and uh, watched quite regularly for the two seasons that it was on. <laughs> yeah, this is one that I didn't even realize there was a second season. I do remember it used to play on uh, Fox, which uh, actually was before Fox. Remember when it was Super 55? Super 55. Yes. And uh, we got most of our cartoons from Happy's Place, which I think a lot of the big cities had their own local children's host. Um, and I think Happy the Hobo was very, very important to any kids from Indiana. It was, and there's still people that talk about it yet today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where he, it, a lot of kids now have no idea what we're talking about. There used to be a chunk in the afternoon, sometimes in the morning. Most people know Bozo the Clown. He's probably the most famous. But there would be a chunk of cartoons that were hosted. And sometimes it was just the guy hosting it. But Happy was really cool because he would invite the kids in to the studio and you know you'd watch it and he'd interview you and ask you silly questions and do magic tricks and stuff like that uh were you ever on the show i was actually one one uh one year we went with a couple other kids in the family did you end up just getting normal tickets or did you win them in a contest you know i was pretty young so i can't really remember i just remember they said hey we're uh going somewhere fun and when we got there it was like oh cool <laughs> i i was actually a little self-conscious i didn't realize that it was that like the young age group was like a cutoff i was in fifth grade i won this reading contest and me and my sister both went and i was like oh everybody here's like four i'm like 11 this is uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> And there was the spinoff in the mornings, uh, was Froggy's Pad, which usually had Transformers, Thundercats, and G.I. Joe, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and that, that was pretty cool, too. I don't know how he did that voice all the time. Hey, it's Froggy's Pad, oh god, and I just did that for three seconds and I'm in pain. <laughs> yeah. All yeah, right. it was, that was fun times. Uh, syndicated TV shows were different than the Saturday morning shows. Because Saturday mornings, it was either 13 to 26, and you only saw them on Saturdays. Syndicated TV shows had to be a blanket of Monday through Friday for a good chunk of the year. They had to, t they had to turn out tons and tons of episodes, sometimes 50 to 65 a season. So in order to do something like that, these toy companies would license out the rights to uh, one major animation company, which was Deke. But then they would go overseas, and they would uh, give that out to some of the anime studios, like in Japan. And you can always tell the action shows of our youth had a very particular look. Did you even know at the time that it was, like, something made overseas? I did not. I actually didn't realize that till I started checking into some of the history and stuff on it. Yeah, uh, Deke is a major company when it comes to a lot of the cartoons that we saw as a kid, but... Their animation basically was licensed out. Uh, I think they're mostly known for doing uh, Inspector Gadget, which is probably their most famous show, which I know you had to have seen at least a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anything with cars, basically, I'm pretty sure that all boys at least like at least stop for at least one episode. Yeah, um, pretty much. Transformers, yeah, all that fun stuff. There was Heathcliff, Dennis the Menace, 
Super Mario Brothers Super Show, Captain Planet, and Sonic the Hedgehog are all their major cartoons. Uh, frankly, I think maybe two of those are actually good, but these are all syndicated shows. We watch them every single day after school. There was um, something special about trying to get your homework done in time or like making your parents like, oh, can you just hold off until this show is done and then convince them to do the next show and the next show? <laughs> yeah, that ha happened quite frequently. <laughs> Uh, so Mask was only on, it, it says two seasons, but I swear it was on longer. Maybe it was rerun for a while, but, uh, this is probably a regular watch for you then. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it was reruns cause I, I thought it, you know, I watched it longer than two years, but, no. and I did not realize it was clear back in 85. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it surprised me too. When I start reflecting on like when I had toys and how old I am and I was like, um, Oh, yeah, I guess I have 85, 86 is about right, because that's, uh, what, like, uh, third grade for us, I think? 85? Yeah, pretty close, I, I think. I would say most kids, um, they would get toys from a lot of the cartoons, but there's usually one that they would lock in on. Uh, mine was G.I. Joe. I got so many G.I. Joes, it was insane. And then after that, I kind of moved on to Thundercats and went on to baseball. Uh, you were a big mask collector, if I remember yeah, I had a lot of the mask toys, uh, and then the other was G.I. Joe and the Masters of Universe stuff, which I was in my attic just a little bit ago, and there's still a lot of G.I. Joe and Masters of the Universe toys in boxes up wow, there. Wow, <laughs> you should probably clean those up and archive them, or, or I'm sure somebody out there wants them for a pretty penny, but you can't sell those memories, people. you got to hold on to them, unless you're broke. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that far yet. <laughs> I, I made a horrible mistake when I was in fifth grade or sixth grade, and I took all of my toys that I've been collecting for years and years and traded them in for baseball cards, which were immediately worthless. Yeah, if only we could go back with the knowledge we've got now yeah. and <laughs> change things around. Uh, so there are four lines of the math series. I believe I only have one. I, it was the purple motorcycle that I think turned into a helicopter. Is that correct? Did you have that one? Um, I had, I didn't have that one. I had the green motorcycle that turned into a helicopter. I think there were two of them. There was a, the green one Condor, which was on the mask side. And then I believe the other one was the um oh from uh, the venom side yeah i had i'm pretty sure mine was the purple one from the venom side it's funny i'm looking this up and i should have educated myself a little bit better on this i didn't realize that each hero had like four different vehicles throughout the year so it's almost impossible for me to look this up quickly and oh that's the one that i had i guess that makes sense the heroes stay the same but the vehicles change which is kind of unusual for uh, these kind of toys because it seemed like every year they cycled out the characters with new ones. Yeah, and if you if you look too, um, when I was doing some checking, a lot of the they only had a few people, and several of the people did several different voices too. Yeah, it, usually with these shows, we have a handful of guys like, oh yeah, we know him from this, we have, you know him from that. And I'm looking through all these, and I go, I don't know a single actor in this. None of them seem familiar whatsoever. It's weird. Yeah. But I 
believe this was mostly uh, French, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, and I think it's because Canadian uh, financed animation, which is what Deke was a Canadian company, for the most part, they're only allowed to cast Canadian actors. It's how they get their funding. They'll give you a certain percentage. Only in the rare instance where it was like um, Inspector Gadget, where they got Don Adams from Get Smart. For the most part, they had to stick to Canadian actors. And that field um, isn't really wide, so you don't see those guys reoccurring in other cartoons. Whereas, like, you know, you, when you watch G.I. Joe and Transformers, uh, you'll hear a guy's voice and go, oh, of course, I know that guy. He did, like, you know, Shaggy or, you know, some other character that you knew really well. And he, and you go into his IMDb, and you're like, oh, my God, he was in every single cartoon. Yeah. By the way, everybody, uh, if you don't know, there is a Back in Tunes drinking game. If you hear the name Frank Welker, probably the most successful voice actor ever, show up in one of our episodes. You have to glug the entire pint because, uh, frankly, he's in almost every single one. He's not in this, so you're free. No drinking. <laughs> so, um, I was the one thing I don't remember much about this is uh, it says it's completely on video, like the whole DVD set, but I never once heard any promotion for it or it being out, and I never see it in reruns. It's kind of a forgotten cartoon by anybody that's um, not our age. Yeah, and I think there's a... I mean, I've noticed um, just looking around um, some of the vintage sites i'm on on facebook they're starting to throw a bunch of the the intros and uh toys out too for this i don't know if they're trying to send it back around or i well back in 2011 uh kenner really wanted to reintroduce mask i think they started as mask returns uh and they wanted to relaunch and they pitched it at comic-con but no one picked it up and uh i just don't know if it'll ever come back but um, I've been told that uh, the rights now have been added to like the G.I. Joe universe. So you're going to see in the next live-action G.I. Joe movie, Mask is going to be like a division of G.I. Joe. And they're going to have like other characters like Rom and Visionaries. And all these, all these toys that we loved as kids are going to be in one big universe, like the way Marvel does with their superheroes. Yeah, it's it sounds cool. Cool, because like even even with uh, Venom, you know that is supposed to be like a research and development for um, the Cobra Command and the GI Joe. So, yeah, they're they're trying to wrap them all in. It's it's I'm excited to see see if it works out and how they do it. Yeah, the GI Joe movies, I enjoyed them, but there always seems to be something missing. Whereas the Transform movies, as long oh my god, are they so long? and kind of like subpar with the storyline, they get what we want out of a, a movie like that. Do you like either one of those movies? I I enjoy the G.I. Joes. Um, I enjoy the gratuitous car scenes and the Transformers. <laughs> but, I mean, some of it's just... It, it just goes goes too far. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell who's fighting who in the Transformers movies, and I, and I don't understand why a movie like that needs to be three hours long. The G.I. Joe movies get it. They're like, well, you know, we don't have this much patience, and you can tell what's going on. Yeah, and I mean, just the, the level of, of fighting in them. I mean, you know, if you're like me with, you know, you know how metal works and stuff, if you've got, you know, these 
Transformers fighting each other, eventually that metal's not going to work anymore. So <laughs> that piece is going to go flying everywhere. People are going to get impaled. They're not thinking it out. No. So the mask is Kenner's answer to G.I. Joe and Transformers, which were phenomenons at this time. And sadly, it wasn't as successful, but I think Kenner had their head in the right place, thinking of something that definitely would appeal to, you know, boys that were like elementary school and early middle school. And I never met another person that had those toys except for you. So there has to be somebody out there. I just never met them. Yeah, and I I know of a few, but... um... You know, most everybody was too enthralled with with the Transformers and the G.I. Joe, and I think I got into it because they were cheaper than those other toys. (laughs) I think it's funny. You look at the Venom side, and there's kind of a Star Wars uh, Stormtrooper quality going on with their masks. Did you ever feel like this, uh, like that, and a little bit of mix of G.I. Joe in there? Yeah, kind of the the same breakdown, you know, with with the commanders and the... And the chain of commands, um, you know, was similar to the G.I. Joe, and, and uh, I, yeah, I think it was pretty cool. No, I like the cartoon, but there's one rule of the cartoons that always makes me want to turn away from it. It's the cute character. You know how there's Orko in He-Man, and there's uh, Cringer and wait, that's the same one. It's also in He-Man, but there's one in Thundercats, um, Snarf. You know, that kind of character always got on my nerves, and Mask violates that rule for me. I will kind of block it out whenever I see the cute character. And that would be uh, T-Bot, correct? Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things, I'm not sure if it's meant to uh, gear towards, like, younger kids, or is it for girls? I don't know, but every time I see it, uh, every time I see T-Bob, I'm just like, nope, uh, walking away. Yeah, when I was doing research, you know, originally that character... You know, they had him as something completely different, and then they, for some reason, they, in the comp between the comics and the, the actual show, they changed it around and and made it, you know, a younger kid with, with the robot instead of, you know, the, the original intent from the, comics. So, yeah. did you ever read the comic book? I had seen a couple of them, but I never really read any of them. I can't remember. I feel like I got a miniature issue with one of the toys that I got. You know, it kind of tells you the story, uh, but I don't remember anything about them. If it was different than the cartoon series, good. Uh, If it's a lot more in-depth, that's awesome. It only ran for like a year with DC Comics, whereas I know like the other ones, like Master Universe, G.I. Joe, Transformers, their comic book series had a huge mythology that built on the cartoon, and they went on for a long time. There's always a delay. I always feel like there's a delay when we're talking. <laughs> yeah, and then sometimes it's not. <laughs> but I feel like there's a big mythology with this they could explore, and hopefully that the movies are able to build upon that. There's a lot more angles to go with it. Yeah, and I I think it I think it could work, you know, especially now, but you know, it's it's I mean, there's so many other things out there that I uh, I don't know. It it'd be tough to do anything right now, really. Yeah, there's a lot to compete with, but um if they introduce it into GI Joe, you already have your audience there, therefore you have room to do a spin-off. Yeah, and I think I think that's one thing that may help. 
So if you're at a garage sale, make sure you pick up all the old vintage toys now. So <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be worth a lot of money if they become popular. I wonder how many people were kicking themselves like, oh, I took a crayon and drew all over those. What was I thinking? I threw them off the roof. Ah, uh, my mine have all been played with. So yeah, you know. I don't know. There's something to be said about a lifetime of enjoying the toys instead of keeping them in a safe, nice place. People who kept them in the bubble packaging, it confuses me. I'm just like, why? Why are you doing this to yourself? You know you want to play with it. Yeah, I and mine, mine are. I've still got the boxes for some of mine, but they've been well played with and, you know, but... It, you've still got them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the way I look at it. It, it. Now it's more about the memories. You know, you look at it and go, oh my God, I remember the time that I thought it'd be funny to put it in a slingshot, set it on fire, shoot it at a sibling. <laughs> shoot it with BB guns. I had a bad habit of taking a, a red crayon and drawing blood all over my Star Wars toys. And Oh, they're wounded. Yeah. Yeah, now people, even now the kids freak out. Well, I mean, the ones that still play with toys, most of them are all looking at video screens. Yeah, that's true. It's like, no, 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 I don't care about toys. This, uh, what's the new app that I'm on that will make my brain turn to sludge? Yeah, and then they don't have the memories that we do, so yeah, it's funny. we still win. I worry about kids these days because the world is kind of unsafe at times, but also sometimes we're also a little overcautious. There were memories that I have of taking like my He-Man toys out into like the woods, or you know, because I had a grandparent who lived on like the edge of the woods, and me and my uncle, who was just a little bit older than me, running through you know the woods, or whatever their GI Joe characters or Master Universe, whatever, and then you know that was life. You had you created your own imaginary world beyond what was written on, in the cartoon. I don't know if kids even get to do that anymore. I I don't see it very much, and you know, but. Yeah, I can remember being right there by the park and going back in the woods in the park and, you know, messing around with the toys that I had. And it's, you hardly ever see that anymore. The one toy that stuns me that you, that we had as kids, like all of us had them and none of us seem to have gotten shot, which stuns me is those guns that looked real. Like I'm walking through the woods with an AK-47 that made that click, 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 click sound. The fact that I haven't been wounded at least once by a bullet, you know, <laughs> stuns me. Yeah, but I mean, but back then that was the thing. I mean, you know, we we were allowed to do that. We were allowed to have fun and play with that stuff. It wasn't it wasn't such a taboo subject. Yeah, we had we had uh, like the A team set, which had a grenade and knives and guns, and then there was the GI Joe ones. And it's just funny how things are so different now. And uh, I wish kids. It's not just the the world that we live in now. Uh, you know, from a danger standpoint, it's also the fact that now it seems like all these kids want to do is stay inside and watch TV and play on their phone, and that wasn't part of my life. Yeah, and it, you know that, and I think you know we we used a lot more of our imagination instead of sitting there and you know waiting for you know the screen to tell us what we need to see or you know how to think of certain shows should go and stuff yeah or the toys that literally make all the sounds for you and you're like that's not the voice i would have in my head if i had that plane but now it's like eight thousand buttons it takes 12 batteries it weighs 14 pounds yeah it's got flashy lights <laughs> i mean you look at my gi joes and it's like oh wow it doesn't even have a moving part on it <laughs> it has you know? no food grip uh 
Yeah, it's it's so weird now just watching like I I worked in a toy section. I'm like there's nothing here left in the imagination. This is disturbing. Yeah. Speaking of video games and screens like that, there were three video games for Mask, all of them on the computer, and back then I never played a game on a computer. I think the first one was Doom. We all had our Ataris, so that's uh, that's kind of strange that they didn't bother to put any on the... Well, there's Commodore 64, but did you ever know anybody who had a Commodore 64? No, I did not. There's all these weird uh, ones that people had, and I'm just like, no, everybody I know had Atari. I... I ran into a couple people that had the in-televisions, and I don't remember those. Yeah, I've never actually seen one play, but I know that they were around. ColecoVision. Yeah. Yeah, but I think the general I... rule was it's uh, Atari 2600s and then an NES. Yeah, and we still have an Atari 2600 with... No kidding, really? Uh, like 35 games what? and all the controllers and it still works oh that's amazing i think you might want to be the last people that still have one that works original controllers or did you have to buy replacements uh i believe they're original no that's crazy everybody's paddle broke at one point yeah these i don't think these got played very hard so um i think we've played harder with them now since they're in our possession than they did when they belonged to my wife's parents. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about masks before we go? Um, I hope they do a good job with the uh, G.I. Joe and it does come back. I think I think it'd be kind of cool and to be able to know that we were there on the, uh, the beginning of it, yeah. the originals. <laughs> It's nice that it's got to the point where it's not just nostalgia. It's about um, our generation and then our children, you know, bringing them into what, hey, I love this one as a kid. I hope you love it too. And when you have that connection, like you both dig it, that is a special family moment. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think it'd be, it'd be something that even people today could get into just because of the, the, uh, the subject matters. I mean, you know, cars and, you know, the good versus evil stuff. Yeah, so. that's, a, that's a story that never ends. You always want to, you know, be on that side that's fighting against, like, terrorism. And, you know, I, these guys weren't really, like, world-conquering terrorists, though. They always seemed to be, like, guys that were doing um, odd jobs to get money. You know, they were, like, uh, guns yeah. for hire. Yeah, like a, like the, the petty crimes type stuff. Yeah, it's, it's kind of strange. But I guess it's to make it different than G.I. Joe. Yeah, and I I think that's pretty much the only you know the only major difference between them really, which is good because they probably would have been sued if it got too close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So it says here the uh, now Hasbro owns the rights to Mask. So Math or uh, Paramount and Hasbro signed a deal to bring Mask, GI Joe, Micronauts. Visionaries, which that doesn't really make sense because that's all like the alternate reality sword sorcery kind of stuff. And Rom. Rom is kind of the oddball. You really only know who Rom is if he was, if you're a comic book fan. There was a toy of Rom and it was supposed to be a big deal. It was a huge flop. Terrible toy. Ugly is, oh, hideous. Look it up. It's disgusting. But the comic books were awesome. And uh, they have Michael Shaban, who's an excellent writer, and Brian K. Vaughn, and a bunch of other people uh, as this uh, writer's group. It's kind of weird that uh, it's not about one writer anymore bringing the idea to the table it's about a bunch of people working on this idea 
And I guess it helps in case someone goes, oh, hold on a second, that's an insanely awful idea. You might want to go back to the journaling board on that one. <laughs> yeah, and you got to think, too, the people that are running these companies are, you know, probably our age now and, you know, trying to bring back everything that, you know, they had when I, they were our age, so. <laughs> is, there, is there a toy line that you would love to see brought back? Hmm. You know, I I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I would love to see Thundercats. I don't want to see it as a live-action movie because I'm sure it'll look ridiculous, but if you brought it back in like a, a Pixar-style, like big-budget, CGI animated kind of movie, I think it would be awesome. I, I think it would be. I think it'd be pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of leery on the whole uh, new movie that's coming out, too, but... I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to tackle this kind of stuff if you're doing it strictly from a business perspective. But if you do it from a nostalgia, a love of the actual property itself, that's a lot better. That's why I think there's a problem with the Transformers movies because Michael Bay clearly has no understanding of the Transformers series at all, and he's just like, "I'm getting paid so much money." <laughs> yeah. What What can we do now to make it bigger and badder and? <laughs> So they, they need to get people who grew up with it, who understand it, and, and take the story in the right direction. Um, and I'm really hoping that Mask is one of those properties that's handled correctly. I I do too. Just for just for the simple fact of what it is, and you know what what they actually stood for too. So Hasbro announced last year at their big toy convention show that uh, they have plans on a new animated series and a whole new line of toys. So let's see if they can follow through. Yeah, it'll be it'll be tough. I mean, you know, to see to see how many of these things that um, you know they go through and change around to to try to fit more into what what we have now. Yeah, kids compete for a lot of stuff now on cable. It's weird that there's no more Saturday morning. There's no afternoon cartoons. The only place you can go is uh, I don't think Nickelodeon's even doing animation anymore. I think it's strictly Cartoon Network, and that's it. Yeah, what what happened to the days of, you know, like Nickelodeon being cartoons and MTV being music videos? And... Oh my god, I miss <laughs> I miss MTV watching that block. The not the TRL, I'm talking like before that or or what is it we had Headbangers Ball in 120 minutes. Ball. You, you can catch all these uh, videos that no one else was talking about unless you stayed up exactly at that hour. It's like, did you see the new Megadeth? And they're like, "No, I went to bed." I was like, "No!" Oh! <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Crazy it, that it's you crazy. stay up for a music video, whereas now people just go, I can just go to YouTube. It's right there. Yeah, I'll just punch it in, and I have it right here, whatever I want. <laughs> uh, so I guess that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, thank you very much, Robert, for joining me for this episode. Is there anything you want to say before we go? Hey, it's been awesome, and uh, can't wait for the next one. All right, everybody, check us out on Facebook under Back in Tunes. You can check out all of our episodes there, as well as anything that comes up in the animated world, like Newswise. You can catch it there. And this is Michael saying, be excellent to each other, and have a good night. Tweet
Hey everybody, welcome to Back in Tunes, episode 101. What? We passed 100 episodes. Jacob, did you think this was possible? Yes, but very, very slim. But I always like to remain an optimist. I mean, like everybody's telling me, oh no, that's not going to happen, you know. They would always, they, and these are the kind of people that said the A's would win the World Series in 2014. But guess what? They couldn't even get there. Oh. oh only the Cubs can win. And then we'll know miracles can happen. Yeah. But in 2016, you know, who knows? Well, it is an even year, so the Giants might take it again, especially with their pitching staff. They've been doing great. But anyway. Okay, so everybody. Yes, no, I say to those doubters, it said to those doubters, oh, fuck thyself in the face. I am farting on the microphone the right now as we speak. And, uh, oh, I actually am farting. Hell so yeah. I was just kind of kidding, but I ripped one. Whoops. Um, <laughs> well, it was a good thing I can't smell it. <laughs> the microphone melted. Um, everybody, so here <laughs> is the thing that we're going to be doing. Uh, we're going to do our two cartoons per episode, unless it's a specific character that had multiple iterations in animation. Like, you know, we did the Batman episode. He's had so many versions of his cartoon, we solely devoted to that. We're still going to do our double feature yeah. cartoon. There has been a new spinoff, as you'll probably have noticed if you're a regular listener. Uh, it's called WTF Tunes. It's where me and my friend Tony uh, pick... Really awful, bizarre, just fucking confusing cartoons and try to explain them. Those are shorter episodes, so you're going to see that as our first spinoff, so we're successful enough to get to that point. Uh, but in general, it's going to be the double cartoons, but we are adding some new stuff to the show. Uh, we used to just do this show called Retro Rocket Entertainment. In fact, it was one of our first shows where me and Jacob would discuss topics in the world, mostly of entertainment, like eat stuff. Um, it was kind of a decent following, but not enough to continue when the other shows started to explode. We've decided to take part of that show and put it in the middle between each cartoon, kind of like that little short that they put in movies back in the day to entertain you. Um, if you don't like it, if you truly hate it, let us know. We might stop, but you know, it's still our show, so <laughs> it depends on if we want to give it up. Um, but that's emphasis on the word might, might. <laughs> Uh, so it's going to be stuff related to animation, um, entertainment world, video games, comics. You know, try to we're trying to add some mm. more stuff to the world of back and And basically, I think what we've discussed numerous times in this show, uh, probably back to two years ago, was doing the tip. And it's finally time, everybody. We stopped teasing you. We stopped uh, uh, playing with your balls a little bit and then not finishing you off. So it's going to be the tick and <laughs> Earthworm Jim. Oh my gosh, two of my, my, my favorite cartoons growing up as a kid. I had like so many freaking action figures. I had an action figure of pretty much almost everything I was into. Power Rangers, Batman, The Tick, freaking even a little Mortal Kombat when they had those those figurines, X-Men. But yeah, no, it was also some of the stuff I would always watch in the morning. Every Saturday morning, I know it would be on. Uh, Tick would be on Fox, and Earthworm Jim was on WB. In years but apart, most, actually, or a lot? the Tick actually was out a few years before Earthworm Jim. You can actually see in the animation quality how different they are. True. And, of course, Earthworm Jim uh, starred uh, Dan Castelle Castellanta, who is most, <laughs> mostly known Castel for Homer Simpson. Castellanta. <laughs> Let's start off with the Cast Tick, though. Castel Nutella. That's right. Castel he's, Nutella. He's delicious and funny. Um, the Tick. It's actually the 30th <laughs> anniversary of the Tick. Did you know that? Oh my gosh, no, but I did know it was the 35th anniversary of uh, <coughs> Escape from New York. Yes, we all know that. Uh, we will discuss this in the middle of the episode during our news segment. So let's start off with a tick. We'll do the news segment, and then we will uh, discuss Earthworm Jim. I feel like I should have discussed this with you before we went on air. 
Uh, it's a little awkward right now. Everybody's like, these guys don't know what they're doing. I drink so much that I'm barely coherent enough <laughs> to tell him what to do. Like, right before this is like, oh, yeah, that's right. We're supposed to do the tick and uh, earthworm gym. Shit, maybe I should watch them. Uh, and we push and we push that and we pushed it off for so long. Oh my god, we said that a month ago. We were gonna do this episode. We're gonna try to go back to doing weekly episodes or at least bi-weekly. Um, I I like things that are bi. I, don't you? Yes, I think we're good. Yes, I, yeah, no, no, that looks <laughs> pretty well. But we're yeah. we're really far behind because by now we should be recording our Star Trek episode because the movie comes out like in two weeks. Oh, it's ridiculous. Oh gosh, yes. We were supposed to do Tarzan, oh, man. Zorro. Back in the 80s, there was a uh, Tarzan, Zorro, Lone Ranger hour, where it was all those cartoons from Filmation, I believe. And uh, that should have been done when the Tarzan movie came out. But yet again, um, oops. So we might still do it, but we'll probably push it off a little. Possibly. Anyway, so yeah, as far as uh, for me, The Tick, it really just stood out because it was pretty much making fun of all the superheroes. Yeah. It was a parody of, that, of, of the superhero era. in general. Oh, yeah, like the 90s era. The Punisher. Right? Definitely the Punisher. Well, it's just, it's about the absurdity of late 80s, early 90s. Did I send you that comic book with a tick? Yes, you did, and I read it, and I loved it. I just love, when I was a kid, I used to read in the advertisements, The Tick. And I was like, what is this? Because back then, you only had Marvel and DC. And it was a little independent guy who started rising up, and The Tick just getting talked about, talked about. And their advertisements were always ridiculous. Like... In this issue, Tick fights a million billions of ninjas, you know, to rip off, like, Daredevil and poke fun at him. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, of course. And then he teams up with that one ninja girl who also happened to be rich. Well, I remember Paul the Samurai, but what do you, which girl are you talking about? I must have missed. It was the one he was trying to protect, the one who had the uh, sacred artifact, the one who was a teacher of uh, that ancient kung fu master. I keep forgetting her name. I, I only remember her as Ninja Girl. Cause... So basically a parody of, like, uh, The Hand and Electra. Electra. Okay. Pretty yeah. much, yeah, and they're after this sacred, like, you know, tooth. <laughs> and if it's destroyed, then, but like, all the, of Kung Fu, then... <laughs> the more ridiculous, the better. I think it actually escalates. As you read the comic, there's a lot of goofiness going on. It gets better in the cartoon. But in the live-action series of The Tick is just completely absurd. Ben Edlin is on fire during this show. Him and his crew, just all the way, uh, just escalated the humor, the absurdity, the intricate language of how the characters talk. Very specific to each character, but at the same time, um, nonsense. Just complete gibberish sometimes out of the tick. And Arthur's just desperately trying to bring some sort of rationality to this bizarre world. Oh, of course, I know. I mean, he's just a, he's just a normal accountant who just wants to become a superhero. He wants to dress up like a moth and fly around. And they call him a bunny. On both shows, they call him a bunny. I think that's <laughs> hilarious. I'm not a bunny. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Easter bunny can't fly. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. You know, Ben Edlund... No, yeah, no, yeah. No. Go ahead. Ben Edlund, you were saying? Is the creator of The Tick, and he worked for Joss Whedon, and he worked on Firefly and Angel. Oh, damn. That's why that name sounded so familiar. I'm like, gosh, where else have I heard this name before? <laughs> and he's also on Supernatural, Revolution. Um, he does like a lot of comic book-oriented stuff. He's doing Powers right now on PlayStation Network. If you're into Ben Edlund's work, um, the guest that we had on a few episodes ago for the perfect Saturday morning, Ken Reed, he has a podcast called TV Guidance Counselor. His 149th episode, I believe, is the one with Ben Edlund discussing his career and what he liked about television and stuff like that. Check it out. It's a really good episode. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. I don't know how... I mean, ben Edlund, do you Ken... think, like... What's that? I said Ben Edlund, you know, thinking who he was associated with, Joss Whedon in particular... Um, like giving some of his franchises like a reboot, especially one like The Tick, you think he would be, uh, at least try to help out with that. 
I don't I don't think he he's really Maybe. busy. Well, no, actually, no, he's not a busy guy. He's not even in charge of Marvel anymore. The film production. I wonder what he's gonna do. Oh, I know. And it was oh god, I think Marvel just kind of screwing over Joss Whedon like that after Avengers two. Yeah. Eh. Throw, well, they do that. They throw their kind creators, under, their directors under the bus easily. They they threw away um uh that's terrible. The director of Iron Man, shit, uh, Swingers, Made, um, Elf, asshole. John Favreau. Thank you, John Favreau. You know, they threw him under the bus. And they uh, did the same thing with uh, Edgar Wright. Yeah. They, they, they very hard to work with, I believe, <laughs> when it comes to guys with some sort of independent spirit. They want kind of TV directors, guys who are part of the factory, who uh, do what they do very fast, without question. And that's why those guys from Captain America Civil War, as good as that movie is, um, I feel like those guys might just be yes-men. And, you know, they don't fight back at all. But I'm just totally guessing. I could be wrong. Mm, you might be right. You could be wrong. You could be right. I knew he was going to do that. I was waiting for it. I was thinking more like Billy <laughs> Joel. I know. Could be right. I could be wrong. I decided to get a little Johnny Rotten. <laughs> you are a little rotten. <laughs> um, so the cartoon. I am. I think it's I funny. Is I didn't know this. Uh, I don't know why I never noticed before. I guess it's just in the comic books. Uh, of course, the tick has superhuman strength and power and everything. Yeah, he's jumped from building to building. No problem. He gets blown up on a regular basis and no injuries. But he has two two powers that I had no idea what they were a part of his uh, repertoire. His little cachet of powers were drama power and oxygen independence. Hmm. That's stupid <laughs> and brilliant at the same time. I, never, I know. I was like, gosh, I mean, as far as the oxygen independence part, I could not tell that. That's <laughs> nonsense. And I love the fact that all three versions, he has no idea who he is, where he came from, how he got his powers. Complete and absolute mystery. And I think even in the live-action TV show, I think he goes to see a psychiatrist and they're going to lock him up in a mental institution. I'm not sure if that was that, but I remember him going to, uh, I remember him going into, uh, I think, to one of those um, certain offices where he uh, tries to find out his identity or register as a superhero. Yeah. But he, um... He can't remember because he doesn't know his name, his date of birth, or anything. And then this woman comes along, turns out to be a con artist, say that, you know, he's her husband. Oh, and then he's, of course. Right. I forgot about that episode, yeah. <laughs> I just love at the end how Batman Wells straight up, like, you know, when he's, like, trying to console him and, like, Tick just starts going on his little tangents about uh, self discovery and identity. And Batman Wells, like, okay, this is what I'm saying. What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's funny is that they also changed his name. Batman Well is actually Defletterbox yeah. in the cartoon. Yeah, they just added it. I think they wanted to add in a little diversity, so they decided to uh, change him up a bit. Nestor yeah, Carbonell, well, I think, oh. is the one who plays him. Well, ne yeah, Nestor Carbonell is actually brilliant in this. Liz Bassey is underrated, too. Actually, everybody in this is really good. Patrick Warburton is getting replaced in the new Tick pilot. I think it's for Amazon. Um, while I like Why? his... Why? Well, maybe he's just too old to fit in the suit. Or maybe he doesn't want to wear the suit. The guy's probably pushing early 50s by now. Oh, for sure. I know, and the suit would take forever to get into. I remember him uh, saying from behind-the-scenes stuff. They gotta um, wax your balls, dude. Kid, they gotta put, like, all this oil and grease all over. You wanna stay all day and that kind of thing? No. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe if it was a Batman outfit. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I love how, um... Yeah, no, like, with this... Like, with this cartoon, I just love how, like, it was zany and wacky, and kids could easily get it. But it also was, like, a little smart, too. You had to Especially know, with um, you had the to perspective know the of Arthur. to really get a lot of the jokes. If you didn't understand comic books and their absurd... Uh, state that they were in late 80s, early 90s, a lot of those jokes would not hit home. Uh, but in general, yeah, if you, if you were just a kid who didn't know anything about comic books, you would still find it entertaining, but there's like a second level to it. Yeah. I mean, me in particular, I only read like a few comic books, especially like mainly, you know, Batman and Spider-Man. 
and a few of the Superman ones. Heck, even a few Street Fighter. Well, there's there's a gag hmm. where Superman's trying to find uh, a phone booth to change in. <laughs> there's, if he had to do it now, there would be no phone booth whatsoever. Shit, how does Superman change now? I, I can't think of anything I just, just down know. a dark alley. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he just. I remember in uh, Superman Returns, he's running and then he rips his shirt open. That's about it. Yeah, no, he just like it just quick changes. But as far as uh, what they haven't really dis- explained that in Man of Steel. Yeah, I, you know, I always have amnesia to Man of Steel. I, uh, I know I've seen it. I remember Kevin Costner saying, "No, no, don't save me," even though you can go a million miles per hour and no one will notice you. Don't save me. I'm dead. Uh, and that's about it. Oh, and, and lots of destruction at the end. Uh, oh, of course, yes. I think, well, it definitely was, well, I'll just say this about Man of Steel. It was, it was more of the New 52 approach. That's something they kind of went through. I think there was a little bit more, there was a lot more depth with that Superman. Really questioning who he was and, you know, and how the world would actually see him. They kind of see him in Batman versus Superman, like more of as a, they kind of treat him like he's a threat, considering what happened to Metropolis. Now, Anywho. Uh, yeah, I'm now, looking, um, honestly, as far as it goes for the tick, I honestly would say he's, since he's such a bit of a nitwit, and is impervious to damage and constantly jumping off rooftops. I'd say he's more of a threat than Superman would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, destroying this wanton destruction. But I think that's part of the joke too. Is that the guy does more damage than good. I mean, he may stop like oh a shoplifter, and then ends up actually destroying two buildings on the way to get there. It's it's a little bit of a spoof on pretty much every superhero that goes out of control. You have to kind of wonder in the comic book world why it is that they let all these villains live when there's so much destruction. Oh Batman, I don't kill. Yeah, you know what? You've tried this with the Joker roughly 200 times. How many people has he killed? Just snap his neck and be done with this. It's, it's stupid. The means, uh, uh, the means of the ninny out. Yeah, no, the thing about Batman. Yeah, I mean, he only attacks the symptoms. He doesn't actually, you know, go at the heart of, you know, crime or the cause of it. All right, you know what's funny is I thought. The tick, oh, excuse me. Oh, you had to do that on air, too. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I ate. Um, a lot of pesto. <laughs> I can smell it from here. Uh, the Tick, I thought, was on for years. I don't know how I didn't notice this. I thought it was on for like four or five, maybe more. And it's only 36 episodes over three seasons. It's weird that some cartoons, oh, wow. you get like you get 36 episodes in one season or, or more than that when it comes to syndicated things like, you know, G.I. Joe Transformers. The Tick, uh, right. it, that's so few episodes to strip on a Saturday. You had to rerun them like four times one year, minimum. I wonder if kids started getting sick of that. Like, oh, it's the same one again. Shit, when in the new episode? It's like the Ren and Stimpy syndrome. Oh, God, I definitely did. I was like, oh, it's not a new episode. I don't care. My whole Saturday's ruined. Oh, Space Madness again. I was crying again. in the corner. <laughs> I was hiding in the bathroom from the Crypt Keeper. That's how traumatized I was. Do you remember the Crypt Keeper cartoon? No. Yeah. You need to watch it. I'm we need glad to I don't. Next Halloween. Oh, for sure. Okay, that's a definitely a good one. But yeah, also, I think one of the most memorable jokes for me was, uh, <laughs> I think when um, Dick was like having a new sidekick, and he just put together these like plank of wood and just drew on it, and he just called him Little Wooden Boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he would just talk to himself, so this also kind of gives in to show that the Tick is insane. Oh, yeah. Mentally <laughs> and mentally, and highly mentally disturbed. He's got a good heart, but yeah. He needs he needs Arthur. Without Arthur, he just, he's a wrecking ball. Exactly. I know, and then Arthur had to burn him to get him out of that giant monster's mouth. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> ah! Little wooden boy! Now, I'm looking at the voice where I Townsend Coleman has not popped up on the show as far as I know. Um, it says that he did voice of Michelangelo 
on uh, from Teenage the 80s? Ninja Turtles, but I don't recall him doing that. But it says he was there for the whole run. Um, he was in uh, oh, Super wow. Rider in the Star Sheriffs, which we haven't discussed. Um, no. Cam Clark, he was the Flater Mouth, and he was an uh, interviewer at the beginning of the first episode. Pro Stars, which one day we'll and he, get to. Uh, it, he did a lot of stuff, but this is the only one I know where it really sticks out like a sore thumb. Like, oh, this is such a unique voice. This is the tit. Yeah, I know. And it, yeah, and I think that was like one of his uh, few starring, like, you know, voice roles. Yeah. Well, I'm. Because other than Michelangelo, I can't think of anything else. The funny thing is, that when I started rewatching this, and I haven't watched it since it was originally. No, I did catch it when it was on reruns on Comedy Central for a little while. Um. Oh my god, that's right. It would appear on Comedy Central. Yeah, but in my head, I hear Patrick Warburton's voice. Every time I think of the tick, I think of his voice, because he just personified it so well. And then it's it's weird that you when someone else pops in, you're like, oh, well, that doesn't sound right. It's like when you think you're going to be eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and then you bite down, and it's like, oh, this isn't grape jelly, it's a strawberry jelly. I hate this sandwich. Even though if you had known it was strawberry jelly, you'd be completely fine with it. It's, a, it's an odd brain trick. It is, I know, but how can you hate strawberry jelly? I do. What I kind hate, of man I, are you? I hate strawberry jelly. Uh, maybe that was a bad example. Maybe I should say, like, blackberry. <laughs> I love blackberry. I know, people love strawberry jelly. I think it's shit. It's a big glob of shit. I, hate, I can't stand it. <laughs> well, I prefer I prefer strawberry preserves, and I love blackberry jelly, too. I, I just love jelly. I'm a gelatinous, gluttonous, glutinous, glutinous freak of nature. <laughs> I, that almost turned into a rap. <laughs> Stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the music and the style that you used to. Oh! All right, so the voice of Arthur is actually done by Mickey Dolenz from, in the first season. But Rob of Paulson, the monkeys. Yes, Mickey Dolenz. By the way, I'm going to go see the monkeys in about six weeks. Oh, wow. That's awesome. If but I meet him, I'm without, going to have to refrain yeah. from asking him uh, about how his daughter's doing, because... When I was a kid, oh, Amy Dolenz, oh, she's out of control. That helped me bring me to adulthood, I gotta tell you. Who's it? Okay, Amy Dolenz? Yeah, I'll Amy Dolenz is his daughter, and she was in a bunch of teen movies around that time, but she was mostly known for being in She's Out of Control. I'll have to watch I'll have to look into that. I'll have to watch it. Tony Danza is a leading man in a theatrical release. It bombed. Well, it's Tony Danza. I'm sorry. Mona! <laughs> Angela! <laughs> Every character that Tony Danza Hold me closer, Tony Danza. I gotta, I gotta look at this. I wonder if Tony Danza has ever played a character that wasn't named Tony. Because <laughs> if you look at the shows, it's always Tony Manelli, <laughs> Tony something. And it's like, did he really have that hard of a time getting another name? Maybe. I don't know. It's just like he just stuck with it. I, you can't get used to any other name no matter what acting job. <laughs> Uh, Rob Paulson, of course, you know from Animaniacs. Jess Harnell, also Animaniacs. Kay Lenz is the weird one in here that not a lot of people know for voice acting. Kay Lenz uh, was a very popular actress from the 70s and 80s because she was in the miniseries Rich Man, Poor Man. She does the voice of American Maid. She's really good, but I haven't seen her in forever. Yeah, American Maid, that's who it was. Because I know, because I thought Captain Liberty was in the actual show. I remember her being dressed up. And like a red, white, and blue attire, but That's there was no did. Captain Liberty. It I was American Maid. I changed the name of the show for that, too. Uh, a little more PC, I would say. Mm-hmm. And it worked out well, and it was more, especially um, with what um, the character had access to. I remember, and especially in the first episode. Yeah, Kay Lentz has barely worked in, like, the last decade, but the one thing she did do was an episode of Adventure Time, which I still haven't seen. Everybody keeps telling me I need to watch this. Go watch this. And I'm like, oh, one day I'll get around to it. And no, it's... It's quite funny. It's quite bizarre. It's out there. It's different. I like it. I mean, not as much as my little sister or like some of my friends do, but I'm like, okay, I can, I, I've watched it. I know what you mean, but I'm just not as in love with it as you are. I'm sorry. 
Please don't. Please you know what, don't. You know what bugs please me don't greatly? Your voice. Please right don't now, hurt me. I just oh. discovered that DirecTV took off Cartoon Network. I cannot watch Cartoon Network. I'm so pissed. Oh, God. Damn you, Cartoon Network. Uh, well, no, oh, I don't even know. I think it's DirecTV. We don't want to pay these prices. So now I sit there and I watch a guy talk at the screen going, as soon as we uh, negotiate the contract for the channel that you liked, we will bring it back. But until then, we're here to bring you this message. You need to write into your direct. No, no, I don't need to do anything. Bring back my station, you jerks. I want to watch Adult Swim. <laughs> you know what's funny? Is you, you, very... Okay, seriously. How evil is DirecTV right now for doing that? Uh, they're evil, period, because they keep offering like their packages. Have you ever looked at their basic package? It costs you like 30 bucks a month. It's a, oh, it's 50 stations, but guess what? Only 10 of them are useful because nine of them are home shopping networks or the religious network or or the weather oh, station. You know, it's, stuff, it's no entertaining. It's like you get to Bravo and uh, TNT. Oh, Bravo, Bravo. and Oh, gosh. I don't even know what Bravo is. Bravo, isn't Bravo like one of those dumb uh, medium reality TV shows? Well, Bravo started out as a arts and entertainment kind of network where they would show stuff on Broadway and, and ballet, and then they started adding shows that were, like, uh, brilliant but canceled. Stuff that was short-lived, like The Tick, would have made it on there. It was just like uh, building a culture of really intelligent media and sharing it with people. Then all of a sudden, it just switched one day, and they stopped showing episodes of Hill Street Blues and Larry Sanders' show. And then they started showing, like, uh, oh, this is the Real Housewives of, uh, the you know, whatever shitty town they're in you know that kind of reality stuff and it just got worse and worse and now i think they just air people picking their nose and farting on things oh my balls is just around the corner Met i know metaphorically yes you're absolutely right you know and i think they've also showed uh the thing called long island medium who's a total fucking scam by the way i heard anybody that does that is also do you remember uh, uh miss cleo she was on tv all the time and she got sued the shit. oh god yes oh man Oh, and John Edwards crossover or something. That douchebag. All a bunch of. He even had the face that looked like he was a douchebag. <laughs> okay, so here is the problem that I've developed over the years while uh, talking over, you know, in radio. When I worked in radio, uh, I didn't have it as bad. I was younger. Um, but lately, I've discovered I'm thirstier and thirstier. And every time I take a drink, all of a sudden my tongue gets kind of stiff. I have no idea why, but I find myself mush mousing, mush see, mush mouthing everything. I'm having problems enunciating. Mush mouthing. Uh, it's, I'm not as clear and coherent as I used to be. I'm starting to get a little concerned. You know, I'm almost 40, and I don't want this to be a thing where I talk mushmouth and incoherent the rest of my life. Or just like, hey, 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 hey. like I had a stroke. Um, I don't know what it is, and it's bugging yeah, me. So you I apologize. Like your tongue just sticks out the whole yeah, time. I'm trying to sound as clear and professional as possible, but it's it's uh, sometimes I trip over my own words. But sometimes I find myself saying things in a lazy fashion. And I, I need to do that. My tongue works. My tongue exercises. The lips, the teeth, the tongue. The lips, the teeth, the tongue. <laughs> Alright, let's talk about the guests on the tick. Uh, we have James Belushi. Jim Belushi popped up for an episode, which is a, a kind of a good oh, back then. Because he was really hot back in the early 90s. Oh, yeah. No, he definitely was. Oh, gosh. Even with that... Um... What was that one movie called where his, uh, K his partner was a canine? Jerry Lee! Jerry Lee! It's like that for the whole movie. And Jerry Lee, get back here! It was a canine. Oh, of course. Yeah, and Red Heat and Taking Care of Business and uh, Curly Sue. You know, the stuff like that. He was really hot at the time, so getting him must have been awesome. Uh, we have some of our regulars. We have Hamilton Camp, who was in the Smurfs. Love that guy. Uh, Dan Castellaneta. That's how you say the name properly. Jim Cummings. 
Um, uh, Miriam Flynn did voice work, but she was also known for a lot of stuff that she done. See, she is Cousin Eddie's wife in the National Lampoon movie. Mm. Oh my god, that's why she sounds so familiar. Yeah. It was on the tip of my tongue, and I didn't have to feel like looking up IMDb. I'm like, Ugh, <laughs> I'm going to start looking at everything. And I'm going to start looking into their history, and then I'm looking at this other actor that I remember. Uh, there is a wormhole out there where people are trapped. It's called uh, the Wikipedia IMDb hole. <laughs> <laughs> Once you go in, there is no guarantee that you will be sucked in there forever, because you have to stop eventually. <laughs> there uh, we have Brad Garrett. Uh, this is pre-Everybody's uh, oh, Raymond. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Who doesn't love Bobcat? Are you I'm trying to think. Who doesn't actually love Bobcat? <laughs> probably Bob, actually, because he probably wanted to go back to Bob instead of Bobcat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Especially when he uh, became a... Especially when he came to uh, being a director. Like, you know, his recent movies where he directed them, like uh, World's Greatest Dad and, of course, God Bless America. Yeah. I haven't watched his newest one, the one that's about searching for Bigfoot. Have you seen this one? I can't remember. It's called Willow Creek or something like that. I don't know, but I'll look into it. I know he was doing something recent, so I wasn't sure if it was about Bigfoot. We also have Mark Hamill, Garrett Graham, Estelle Harris. Oh, Maurice LaMarche. Who doesn't love Maurice LaMarche? He's like in every cartoon around this era. Uh, of course, most people know him for The Brain and Pinky and the Brain. Yes, of course. And Terrence Mann. Now, tape. do you... Oh, wait, wait. Well, hold on, everybody. We're getting an impersonation. Go for it. Uh-oh. And I'd like Harry to always be on the critic, and he would do awesome well. Sometimes even you do Peter Laurie. What are we going to do tonight, Brian? The same thing we always do, Pinky. Lay back in retirement and not give a <laughs> shit. Mouse mice don't live that long. We're going to die. <laughs> well, I'm an exceptional case because I have a big fucking brain. <laughs> uh, Terrence Mann pops and up I'm in this. And I'm slightly senile. And a lot of people don't know who Terrence Mann <laughs> is. Did you ever see Critters? Uh, I think I remember the... Wasn't, wait, wasn't Leo DiCaprio in that? He is in the Little third Leo DiCaprio? Critters movie. Oh. So okay. Terrence no, Mann the is the rock star bounty hunter that's hunting the Critters. Ugg, I think his name is Ugg. Oh. Then we have Kathy oh, Moriarty, right. yeah. Lorraine Newman, Saturday Night Live's Lorraine Newman. Who doesn't love her? Actually, who remembers her is what I should say. It's a jerk thing to say, but she's like that one original member that no one seems to like recall. Like, yeah, what, what characters did she play again? Uh, she was one of the Coneheads. Uh, yeah, she was the daughter of the Coneheads. She would be... Every time there was a Theodore of York episode, she'd be the girl that always died. Always died. Oh, oh, and we got our final oh time. Everybody, prepare your drinks. We have Frank Welker. Oh my God, him! What cartoon is he not in? Him, Jim Cummings, and Cat Susie. Boy. Yeah, it's getting crazy. Um, I will say this before we end. Uh, Spoon. And I love the I loved the name Chairface Chippendale. When I first heard that, it was sticking in my brain for like days. Chairface Chip. What the fuck? What does that even mean? <laughs> Chairface Chippendale. I don't know. Maybe I guess his chair was an old chair that they used at Chippendale. Well, he does wear a tux like he's a Chippendale's dancer. Aha! Uh-huh. That explains the outfit. It's just something that sticks with him. He can't get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, is there anything you want to say about the tick before we go to our next segment? Okay. Now, as far as the reboot, that's supposed to be on Amazon. Yeah, uh, do you know who they're casting as the tick? Shit, uh, he was in Shaun of the Dead, Guardians of the Galaxy, give me a minute. He was in Spy, he's the weird old one that does all the language. Uh, fuck, what is his name? He's a really good, funny guy. Uh, he was in the TV show Hardware. Nick Frost? No, 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 no. Uh, I am trying to access the name, pretend I'm not accessing the name. Of course, he's not in the fucking credits. Uh, sing a song, Jacob. Was he in a... Peter... <laughs> Peter Peter Serafinowicz, something like that. Peter Was he in like Little Black Book? What? 
No, that's the other guy. Uh, it's, it's his roommate in Shaun of the Dead, the one that goes, It's four o'clock in the fucking morning, I gotta work in four fucking hours, you're up all night playing the full fucking music in it. How can you see why I'm so fucking angry? Yeah, that guy, Peter Serafinowitz. That's right, I gotta, I gotta, woo, I'm gonna give myself a cookie. Oh my god, no, I love that guy, he's, I thought he was hysterical. I remember him in a couple's retreat with Vince Vaughn and Malin Ackerman and all them. Yeah. And he was like the, he was, I think he was like pretty much the host of the whole resort. Yeah. And he would just like, tell a little awkward with them. But he wasn't, the, no, he wasn't the yoga, not the yoga instructor. The yoga instructor was more awkward, but no, he was the host. He and I thought he was pretty damn funny, especially with that deep voice of his. He is. He's got that. You know, he does the voice of Darth Maul because Ray Park had too high pitch of a voice. Oh. Hmm. So that just blow your mind. You're that. like taking that in, like, what? That wasn't his, but what? Yeah, I thought they'd alter Ray Park's voice, but no, they didn't. They just got Peter Serafinowicz. That's why he sounds, that. I, after listening to it, it's like, yep, that's definitely him. <laughs> all right so i, I say definitely. i'm really exci- i'm kind of excited for the reboot it's something that yeah. needed to come back well it's just one of these things that every single time it's worked and i think it's because uh ben edlin has been so crucial to every single iteration of it of course the comic book is his uh the cartoon he you look at the credits and his name is all over that thing you know a designer uh production uh, manager or whatever you know uh, writer uh, as long as he's in charge, it's going to work because he was so crucial to the live action show. Uh, as sadly as it was, it only lasted nine episodes. I'm still pissed at Fox for dumping that. It was supposed to be on after The Simpsons. They changed their mind for some reason. I can't remember why. I can't remember if it was because post 9 11 or something like that. Or they just didn't see a place for it on the schedule and they just shoved it over like Thursdays after action or something like that. It was something ridiculous. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't see why it. It got canceled a lot. I don't really see any justification. It was a very funny show. Greg Sonnenfeld, I think, uh, directed a few episodes. He was the one helping push that, too. And it seemed like something he would do as well. Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, it's so well done. It's basically Seinfeld with superheroes and one of them being just... Well, no, I guess uh, Jerry is um, basically Arthur. Then George is Batman well. Um why am I thinking? I forget. Elaine, Captain Liberty. Captain Liberty and, and, um, yeah, and then uh, Kramer is the Tick. And Kramer is uh, the Tick. Basically, that's how it works. I mean, that's kind of the dichotomy of it all. But they had great uh, character actors come in, too. Kurt Fuller was um, like that weird German uh, uh, Hannibal Lecter kind of character. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> um, Ron yeah, Perlman's no, in see, it. Um, yeah, that's right. He was the uh, one, like, the whole, you know, sidekick debate yeah. episode. <laughs> that was it. That's when he came in. There was also, um, what's oh, God, what's his name? Liberty... What is, uh, the Immortal. But that's the one with Sam McMurray where he dies, right? Having sex with Captain Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you could pick up that series for dirt cheap. It's like five bucks some places. I know. It is. It's a great series. It was just so fun to watch every episode. Did I send that to you? I'm trying to remember. I'm not sure if you did, but I think I... I I know it was on Netflix for a while, and I rewatched every episode. Yeah, it's on Crackle, too. So anybody wants to check out the Tick uh, live-action show, it's really easy to get. The cartoons I found on YouTube. for free. You heard nothing. <laughs> Nothing was clear. I raised that from your brain. All right, so that is the end of our text. Uh, t- tech. Jeez, can I ever say anything right? That is the end of our tick. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Te- yeah, it's our Texas Chainsaw se- uh, Massacre segment. Let's all uh, just bring out your chainsaws and let's talk about the movie for a minute. <laughs> I loved it very, 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 very much. One hundred words. Of course, yes. Yeah, I would say a thousand words, and I would say a hundred more. All right, everybody. So we're going to pause for a second, and we're going to go over to our news entertainment section, and then we'll hop into Earthworm Jim. Oh, here we go. I love the messages. 
we'll be right back. Hey, guess what? We're back already. Jacob, what's going on in the news that you want to discuss? Well, I kind of want to talk about this skin that's complicated. I talk about what the fuck is going on? Anybody else listening to this? Jacob has turned into a robot. He's he's being transformed. I'm transforming into Fred Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was, but your voice went all double arigato, Mr. Robot. Well, if you listen carefully, Fred Schneider does kind of sound like a robot when he's singing. I mean, just listen to Love Shack or the Flintstone the song. Uh, the Flintstone song. <laughs> he does have like this very very robotic voice. I can't, I can't, I always remember when, um, what is it, um, Love Shack, when, uh, she yells out, uh, I think she yells out Henry arrested, but I thought she's, no, no, uh, she says tin roof rusted, but I thought she said Henry arrested, but I'm like, whoa, wait, what's going on? And, and Fred Myers goes, yo, what? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, is she pregnant? What's going on? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm now completely I'm... lost. All right. Okay. Next time I listen to that song, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to that. <laughs> I'll play. It, I'll probably play it backwards on a record player. All right. But so anyway, yeah. No. So go ahead with your segment. Sorry. Without the robot voice, please. Yes, of course. Of course. So pretty much this weekend, it was um, pets, which dominated. It took like over what ninety-five million. Nope. More than that. Keep going. And okay. So I was wrong. It took a lot more than that. It was okay, last time I checked, it, it was on Saturday. Dollars. Domestically, my gosh, that's pretty insane. I, I mean, personally didn't see it. I've yet to go see it. Well, I never go to New Guinea. I'll probably wait. I know, plus, especially since it's, like, you know, not exactly more forte, kid movies and all that, the big old family movies. But I might give this one a chance. I mean, come on, they were playing, you know, freaking... <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's like when the poodle, like, the poodle's mask goes away. I'm like, how much? Oh, Pogo, 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 Pogo. How am I forgetting this? System of a Down. That was System of a Down? Well, you know, this They're is... like System of a Down, Pogo. Yeah, this is from Illumination. These guys did Despicable Me and the Lorax and Minions. So, so far, they've been pretty spot on. And this is the biggest box office opening weekend for an original production. You know, not a sequel, not based on something pre-existing. This is all its own thing, and it's huge. Exactly, I know. That's what, I like to, that's what I'm liking about it, too. It's original, and it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty fantastic. And it looks great, and it looks like a lot of fun. It's probably what our pets do when we're gone, <laughs> bastards. I'm always curious what Willow is doing when I'm not around. Is she just moping around? Is she sleeping? Is she like, I'm going to check out how to work this DVD player? I'm pretty sure a cat snuck into my house and took my Blu-ray copy of Big Trouble in Little China. No! God damn it, I still can't find it! Ah! Although, Mike and Dave uh, need what? Uh, Mike and Dave need dates. Yeah. Need wedding dates. That movie, I actually saw that last and? night. I was laughing my ass off. It was just absolutely ridiculous. And a couple people from Silicon Valley were in it, too. No kidding. Of course, you've got... Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. I keep forgetting his name. The one that Martin always keeps fucking with. Oh, uh, shit. I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Moving on. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, okay. Yeah, this looks like it's, <laughs> it's going to be something that's going to build all summer long. It didn't open that big with $16.5 million. But, you know, everybody was saying that it was going to make, like, 10, 11 tops. Reviews weren't that strong, but the cinema score on it was huge. And so it's going to be a word-of-mouth kind of hit. Now, it opened at 16, but I bet you next week it holds up really well. Probably make like 10. And just slowly drop over the few weeks. Usually the biggest drop is between the first and second week. And I think it's going to be something that probably hit about $70 million. Uh, Secret Life of Pets could play all summer long. Because I don't see any other movie for the next two months that's going to compete with it. Uh, except for Finding Dory, but that's already been out for a while. So Dory's starting to step back. So... Um, basically, Secret Life of Pets was number one. 
Legend of Tarzan. You remember the episode that we did where we discussed all the summer movies that were coming up, what we thought was going to bomb, what was going to be a hit, and uh, we, I said Tarzan was going to be a total yeah. waste. I, I was convinced Tarzan was a complete waste of $180 million, and I was wrong so far. And, oh, wow, really? Uh, it's doing, it's not doing... Well, I know... It's not doing huge, but it's doing well. And I think it's because it's hitting with older audiences. And the cinema score on it is really well. It's like A, A+. Oh, wow. No, then I'll have to see that then. Yeah. I mean, especially because it's not, it's not a reboot. It's not an origin story per se. It's kind of like an actual Tarzan adventure. I mean, come on. Tarzan's been around so long. We know everybody gets it. Anybody who's seen the – anybody who like, is a Disney nut and has shown the Disney version to their kid, I'm sure they know, I'm sure they know what they're going to be going in for. Uh, now that they've gotten older and this movie has been coming out, especially considering who they have starring as Tarzan, Stellan Skarsgård. You know, who I women, only who, know anybody who's seen True Blood is just going to, you know. Okay, cool. So pretty much any woman, any, like, pretty much any adult woman from, like, what, 18 up to, like, you know, their 40s or 50s, they're going to be going in, they're going to be going in there watching that movie just because, just for that man. <laughs> oh, Baba. Oh, he's so lovely. Of course, yes. He is a lovely man. He's a beautiful, beautiful man. And, of course, also what I like about it, too, is that they got Margot Robbie playing Jane, who will be playing uh, Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad, who also was in, you know, very top-notch movies like Wolf of Wall Street. She was the, uh, Leo DiCaprio's wife. Yeah. Um, is Samuel Jackson in this Tarzan? I feel like he is. I think I saw him in the trailer. Maybe that's why he's not in Captain From America. Did you notice? Was that a little strange that he wasn't in Captain America? Like, I don't even think he's in it for a second. No, he isn't. I mean, well, he, he has gone into hiding, that's for sure. Especially yeah. after the whole, you know, event, Avengers incident and Hydra still being out there, probably looking for him. But, at the, you know, you think if anybody to kind of bridge the gap between Tony and, you know, Steve, it would be him. But no, he was gone. Hmm. Um, I think so, he doesn't get involved until it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, maybe. I, I really liked his appearance, though, in the second Captain America, and I just felt something was kind of lacking. Like, he's barely in Avengers 2, but I, it still was welcome appearance. Uh, but I believe he was probably he's probably trapped up in this Legend of Tarzan that he couldn't show up and there's no time for it. Plus, you know, Marvel can only wait around for so long because they have dates they have to meet. Now, Tarzan, if it wasn't done, you know, the Warner Brothers isn't like, well, it's got to be out by June. We can probably do July, August. You know, sometimes they push things back to February. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, because that's right. There was a bit of a delay for Tarzan. Everybody thought the movie was going to be in trouble. Yeah, but, I thought it was going to stay. Well, behold, I it wasn't. It was going to be a huge flop. I was that Tarzan was tired. I mean, there's so many different TV versions. There's been like 80 movies. The animated movie was amazing. At some point, we're going to discuss the animated version of it. But um, I thought it was done. But no, people liked it. Oh, for sure. I know. Plus, I mean, just looking at like some of the, you know the big jungle landscapes, like what they haven't been really be able to achieve in like you know most live action films. I mean, it just it's absolutely phenomenal. All right, and I bet. The, anyway, I think should we stop at top five maybe every week and then just discuss like what the new stuff is and don't regurgitate what the top ten is unless there's something weird and special. Yeah. All right. We, should, we probably should do that. Uh, but as far as it goes for um, Tarzan, I mean that's pretty much all I have to say. I've yet to see it, and I will. I'll probably I might end up having to wait because I know a lot of stuff's going to be coming out next weekend, especially Ghostbusters. That's the one that's really going to be on people's minds. Yeah. Oh shit! That's another episode we have to get out there. We we, we did do the Ghostbusters. Uh, was that our very first episode of Back in Tunes? Yeah, it was one of our first episodes. Yeah, we did the real Ghostbusters. Oh, I totally forgot about that. You know, we've never discussed the other Ghostbusters cartoon, though. 
very good, but it still needs to be discussed. I mean, that's what we've discu- uh, discovered about us. As um, we used to, discuss, I think it was wonderful. We used to just talk about the cartoons that uh, we knew well and we loved, and we want to discuss those. And then we started becoming like animation historians, like uh, uh, animation. Um, what do we call it? Archaeologists, basically. We we go out and we discover these cartoons that Pretty are new much. to us or or really rare, and kind of bring them back to the limelight. Yeah, exactly. You'd be you'd go like Indiana Jones on this shit. Except less punching. You're like the if Indiana we in the Jones of cartoon Yeah, if we were in the same room again, I'm sure there'd be more punching. If people, people, if you want us to punch each other a lot, um, I will fly down to Napa and we will talk about cartoons while randomly slugging each other in the face. Huge <laughs> <laughs> seller, big With numbers. Big old pizza pies. <laughs> yeah, just, and, yes, know, I know. Just, and then I throw a pizza in your face. Thank you very much for the pie, Jake. And the whole episode, we just like, nom, 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 nom. You know you love it. <laughs> but hey, speaking of cartoons, we might as well ring this back in that direction. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two sucking shit at the box office, and I'm actually kind of happy. I know. Why am I not surprised? That first one was garbage. God, yes, it was. The second one, from what I was told, was more along the lines of the cartoon. But I'm like, it's Blech. it's just got Michael Bay written all over it, though. Blech. I can't do it. Blech. I just can't bring myself to it. But it's I like you, Stephen Amell. International, but. but you know, it's like, I like you, Stephen Amell, but you're just not enough. You know what else is sucking garbage in the U.S., which I was no surprise to anybody else, is Warcraft might not even hit $50 million in America. I don't think it's going to, but overseas, it's hit $400 million. There's going to be a sequel. Yeah, you are yeah, you have to think overseas, although it's a shame they're not doing that with RoboCop. Oh, son of a so far. Fucking, fucking, fucking. Let me, let me, you know what? I love RoboCop, and we should discuss the cartoon. Because I remember there's two RoboCop animated series. Oh, I know. That's, oh, God, that's another good. one we haven't discussed. We talk about this all the time. Let me see. I want to look this up. Okay, RoboCop, the remake, which I actually really enjoyed, you enjoyed, uh, cost $100 million. Mm-hmm. Um, in America, it made $58 million, and foreign was $184 million. Don't tell me that someone out there right now can't greenlight a $50 million RoboCop sequel. Get rid of Michael Keaton. Samuel Jackson. Get rid of any names. Just keep RoboCop the name. Joel Kinnaman was fine. And just bring us a fun, pulpy, R-rated adventure. True. Well, they have to get rid of Michael Keaton. He's dead. He died. Oh. Uh, you know what's funny is I haven't seen it in a while, so I forgot. Oops. Uh, no Jack Yearly Haley. No, <laughs> no Jay Barishaw. No names. No Gary Oldman. No nothing. It's just Joel Kinnaman. Get some, you know, affordable actor. Shoot it in uh, uh, Bulgaria. Shoot it in Canada. Shoot it more cheaper. Uh, sh- shoot in New Orleans. Shoot in New Orleans. Call it Hard Target Three: RoboCop's Vengeance. And uh, <laughs> have rich guys try to kill RoboCop, and he just <laughs> slaughters them. <laughs> I'm the one percent. You're dead. Oh, I know that would be wonderful. <laughs> That's it. They're alive. They're coming with me. Bram. Dead. Uh, and um, just have a uh, have a cleverly disguised person that says things like. Um, Oh, we need to build a wall, and uh, huge. It's going to be huge, and then have RoboCop hunt him. <laughs> exactly. Shh, of course, it's going to be a parody on that. Again. I mean, that, that's parody, easy to do. Complete parody, just a joke. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Um, that or, as I've been saying, RoboCop versus Terminator. Paramount only has the rights for, like, another year. Let's do RoboCop versus Terminator. Save RoboCop, and then finally finish off Terminator. Exactly. <laughs> I know Terminator. You are a great franchise, but you gotta die. Yeah, it's so tiresome. It's not your fault, James Cameron. Not entirely. No Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> no Arnold Schwarzenegger as a Terminator. Just get somebody new. Get somebody awesome and fight RoboCop. I want to. Oh, that would be amazing. And also, what a movie I did want to bring up in the from the box office was Big Friendly Giant. That is. I not mean, critically, I look at the 
Yeah, it's not doing. It's doing. I mean, I looked at the Metacritic score, but box office. But yeah, no, the it was just bombing. Yeah. I have no idea why. I mean, it's a Steven Spielberg movie. It's great. It he never has a bad movie. I know why. Have you seen a commercial for it or a trailer? It's horrible. You have no idea how to sell this movie. No, I mean, I mean, I looked at it. It's a trailer. It looks like a fight. It looks like a regular trailer. You know, yeah, that's about it. I just don't see. This is Spielberg's first flop in so long, like huge, massive. This is probably the most unsuccessful movie of his career. Yeah, no, shoot, I've never had. I yeah, I don't think there's ever really been a uh, Spielberg flop. Well, forty one or nineteen forty one didn't do very well. Almost died, only broke even, I think. But in general, yeah, he's known for at least breaking even or a decent profit. But this is gonna destroy. If this is from DreamWorks, DreamWorks done. They've kind of been done no, for a while. No, it's Disney, anyway. actually. Is it straight up Disney? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Disney could... Well, Disney could take a hit. They could afford oh, it. Oh, yeah. They, well, they take... I think they purposely take a hit every year, knowing that um, knowing that they have Star Wars to back their ass up and Marvel. And so, they're like, oh, we just write it off. You know, we don't have to pay as many taxes here because, you know, we had a couple bombs. Oh, for sure. Did I you mean, know? I mean, no doubt about that, even though they can... <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds? But even then... I, I don't know if there's a delay... All of a sudden, it seems like a little different than it was earlier in the episode. Can you hear me? Uh, number one. Number two. It was I that. did it slowly on purpose. Oh, you jerk. Okay. Um, no, I know. But, I'm a fucking jerk. Uh, Revenge of the Nerds was purposely made by Fox because they had made too much money the year before, and they wanted a tax write-off. So they spent way too much money, considering how that genre usually is really low budget. Uh, they spent, like I think, $8 million mm -hmm. on Revenge of the Nerds, thinking that they're going to be able to write off that whole thing. And then it was a massive success, and the guy who greenlit it got fired. That's insane. <laughs> How is that even possible? Oh, you had a successful movie. I'm sorry, but you cost us too much. In You're taxes. fired. Fuck You're you. You're fired. <laughs> oh, God, that sucks. Oh, man. <laughs> like you had a great success, and then you got fired. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Only in Hollywood. Only in Hollywood. God damn Hollywood. <laughs> uh, we are almost to our hour. Is there anything else you want to throw in on the news? Um... I think that's about it, and I'm kind of excited for the new Ghostbusters movie. And I'm ambivalent, but I'm What I'm really looking forward to also is Star Trek Three. Oh, yes, yes. And then, you know, our next episode, since we're going to have to ditch Tarzan, we'll probably have to push Ghostbusters back to Halloween. We're going to do Star Trek, the animated series, and Planet of the Apes, the animated series, next. And then we're going to try to stay on a more regular schedule. We'll eat our five, but we'll still regular. For show. For show. We're getting that for show. <laughs> Are you saying for a show? For a show? What kind of show? Uh, let's start off with Earth no, like Jim. No, like show. You ready? You ready for some wood form? Indeed. All right, I'm ready, here we I'm go. ready for some deep fried worm. Groovy! 
Or maybe I should just let him say it. Groovy! Alright, sorry, I stole the groovy from him. Uh, don't tell me that was yeah, not you... uh, an homage to Evil Dead. In Bruce. Oh, that had to have been an Evil Dead. Uh, <laughs> an homage to Evil Dead. I just had to lump it all together. <laughs> I was that lazy. It's funny after all. Um, this was a very, very need-to-watch drop-everything-that-we're-doing in freshman year of college. Uh, I mean, if people are like, uh, hey, there's a rager on over here, and all these ladies are giving us blowjobs. Uh, yeah, that's great. Have fun. Uh, Earthworm Jim's on. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That was your he, he said free blowjobs. Oh, that's fine. Just save me one for later. <laughs> now you're a man. A man, man, a man. <laughs> M A N man. <laughs> this is Get my favorite. Damn low job. This is actually my favorite genre of video game is the platformer, the run and gun platformer, like Metal Slug, that kind, where it's just like go 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 go. But Earthworm Jim Mega did man. two things, two amazing things that were above the bar. Uh, it had the quality animation, like the way Mega Man had it. Mega Man looked beautiful, but it was so insanely difficult that I wanted to kill Capcom. Um, but two, the, the, the puzzles, the mystery of how to get through certain levels was really clever and well done, and, and, and I just adore this game. I still can't believe that there was only two straight-up uh, Earthworm Gems, and there's that weird 3D one that was kind of shitty in the Game Boy one, which I actually never played. But those first two games, oh, <laughs> perfection. Indeed, I know, especially the ending of the second one. That was, a, that was definitely fucking ridiculous. You go say Princess What's-Her-Name, and all of a sudden it turns out she's a cow. And then the credits come back up. It's like, you know, Earthworm Jim defeated, you know, get that um, Space Crow. From, uh, and, oh, God, sorry. It was just absolutely ridiculous and just out there. And then it turns out everybody turns into a cow. They all unzip themselves and reveal that they're all cows. So the cow <laughs> defeated the cow to save the cow. <laughs> I have to say, I don't remember finishing the second one, but I do know we, we finished that first one. There are many, many, many nights of us being like, Dude, we got class in four hours. I'm almost done. Just give me the next level. I gotta save this. You know, this is before they saved everything every five seconds in, in a game. Like, these kids today, I play some of the games now, and I'm like, oh, I hit another save point. Wasn't I just at a save point, like, a, a minute ago? There's, uh, You started off with no save points, period. You had to stay up all night playing Pac-Man. Uh, and then, you know, like, Nintendo, you know, stuff like that. You could pause it, but you couldn't save it. Zelda was the first, I think, you could ever save. And it just was mind-blowing. It's like, I can just play for a little bit here and there and come back. That is amazing. And then, you know, you have the games in, like, the 90s or the Genesis where it got a lot easier to say, you know. And, but still, it's, like, light years beyond what it is now because you usually had to finish a level first before you could save it. Oh, of course, yeah. And then that went, or you had to, like, write down the password to that level after you beat the level. Oh, my God. There would be some, you like, off. you would get a hand cramp writing. It's like, why is this 40? Why are there 40 numbers? Stupid. And why are there why are there exclamation points in characters? Why is there the pound sign? What the fuck? Why? Why is it so difficult? Um, yeah. We are recording But it was, right like, now. the design of it's just absolutely absurd. Right now, we are <laughs> recording this on July 10th. Uh, 2016. I say this because Doug Tennaple, the guy who created Earthworm Jim, was born on this day 50 years ago. Happy birthday, Doug! Hey there, Doug. Happy birthday! <laughs> we're we're just gonna talk about this for the rest of the episode. So, Earthworm Jim, that was a really great show. Mm-hmm. Or Peter Westphal got to do a Ray Romano or Kermit the Frog impression. Hmm. Yeah. I say that works. Well, or just Eisenberg. If you're going for super obscure. Uh, there's an episode of The State on MTV where they had a skit where everybody talked like this. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> okay, so... Oh, God, yeah, I think I do remember that. Where they're all kind of looking off to the side of the screen. Hey, do you know where I can get some French fried potatoes? And then, like, someone else comes in. No, <laughs> we don't like you in this place. Oh, that's rude. Let me call the manager. Manager. <laughs> yes, what's the problem here? Hold on, I want to bring... <laughs> Okay, there's a state there's a state moment I'll have to bring up later on at the end, at the end of this episode. But what really got me into this cartoon, of course, immediately, you know, having a Sega Genesis and you know, playing the you know playing the game, beating it, loving it. Then of course, oh, here's the cartoon. I'm like, oh shit, that's awesome. We gotta watch this every morning. Let's do it. And we did. And they got all the action figures and just. I mean, the animation was great. Oh, it's it beautiful. Universal Studios finally got back into high quality animation. This is when they started doing, I think, the Tex Avery show, the Woody Woodpecker Hour. Uh, but Earthworm Jim is up heads uh, just way above anything else they were doing at that time. Oh, God, yes, it was. Yeah, no, I can't even think of really too many Universal uh, cartoons that were on Saturday morning other than, as we just mentioned it now, Earthworm Jim. Well, they did do um, The American Tale. There was a TV show about American Tale? Yeah, I think it was um, Five of Adventures or something like that. Yeah, no, it must have sucked. I never heard of it. <laughs> I've never seen it either. Um, uh, to give you a little background on Doug Tanner, I watched the movies, but I didn't see the show. Yeah, the movies are fantastic. Uh, give them the crazy Or is it crazy crazy Give them the crazy <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doug Tenaple started off on Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, the animated series, which we discussed last Halloween, uh, which I still really enjoy. Uh, he worked on the Jurassic Park uh, Genesis game, which was fantastic. He used to work for Shiny Entertainment. Do you remember that brand? Oh my god, I think I do. So he started working in video games, and then he got uh, he got uh, uh, Earthworm Jim going, and then uh, started working for DreamWorks, did uh, the Skull Monkeys for them. And then kind of went on to do, uh, well, this is a weird one. I read this earlier, Project Beaker. Do you remember Project Beaker? No, but it sounds like something I would probably look into. Yeah, it was on for one season, I believe, on CBS. And eventually we'll probably end up discussing it. But I know him mostly because outside of Earthworm Jim, he does some amazing graphic novels. They're all basically, except for Newt, they're all self-contained. It's just, you know, 50 pages, story's done. And um, the, my library apparently just loves his stuff because they're always carrying it. And uh, I really, really, really great stuff. And you should um, check it out. My favorite one is Creature Tech, which is uh, very clever. There's one called Gear, which is his second book. If you re uh, read Gear, Gear, or am I thinking Power? No, Power Up um, plays out like a screenplay that just never got made. It's hmm. I'll, have to, I'll have to look into it, research it. Remind me later. I might forget. Yeah, he uh, he's working on Veggie Tales right now, and there's not a chance in hell we're ever going to discuss Veggie Tales ever on this show. Veggie Tales? What? Vegetable Tales. <laughs> so... I'm evil. All right. Okay. Um. But yeah, that was back to Earth from Jim. Yeah. Seriously. Um. As far as the writing and the development of this cartoon goes, it's just it's definitely on par with uh, something ludicrous and just zany and out there like Eat the Cat. Um, there, there is moments in this I think is the pinnacle of 90s animation and storytelling. It's so fun. It's so exciting. The, the, the villains are crazy and wild, like in The Tick. You know, uh, you know, villains that are unique and original and highly entertaining. The voice work is so good. It's so good. I know. You've got Cass Susie. You've got Dan Castellanta from, of course, The Simpsons. And then killing got... it. He's killing it at Earthworm Jim. When he loses his shit and starts blasting yeah, his gun yeah, around, yeah. eat death! 
know. He would say that. Eat dirt, eat death. Plasma. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but gosh, I mean, damn. You have a real sinister side to Earthworm Jim. Yeah, and then, of course, I, the first episode, picking out all those uh, sidekicks because he's afraid of for Peter Puppy, considering Peter Puppy's his... Not only his best friend, but it's also his greatest enemy. Like, every time he gets pissed off, he, like, hulks out into this giant monstrous freaking dog and just attacks him. <laughs> when um, when uh. I worked at Blockbuster, they had some of these episodes on VHS, and they were getting rid of them. And I was like, oh, I need to buy all of them now, or I may never see them. This is before YouTube. This is before people, well, people still bootleg some stuff, but it was still hard to get because... Uh, it was 1999, and so I bought these, held on to them until I got broke, and then I sold them on eBay for a oh, wonderful, wonderful amount of money that I'm sure I wasted immediately on comic books. Damn those comic books! Hey, it could have been worse. You could have been a uh, you could have been addicted to cocaine. I okay. was also addicted to cocaine at the time. Um, they were laced into the comic books I was buying. I would sniff the pages, enjoy them at the same time. Oh, this is great. Ah. Never mind. Then... <laughs> Don't assume that I'm clean. Well, shit. Never mind then. I thought I was dirty. <laughs> oh, you dirty animal. Uh, yes, yeah, so you're talking about the boys cast. You need um, to take a bath. It's weird. Almost all of these people from Earthworm Jim were later were earlier in the tick. There's a few different names that pop up here that I want to discuss. Is uh, John Casser, who most people know for doing the voice of the Crypt Keeper, <laughs> and uh, Andrea Martin, who was the original cast of SCP, you know, you know, you've seen SCP, correct? SCTV. Oh my god, I should. I, ah, oh, How have you not oh, seen It's okay, not, okay, I'm gonna say this. Uh, there's some people who swear by SCP, um, but I, I get it, but I don't find it funny. I love John Candy, Martin Short, you know, Don't Flaherty, uh, who are we thinking, uh, who else is it? Um, uh, the dad from, um, uh, Eugene Levy. You know, and there's some other people in there that are really good. Dave Thomas, uh, who's the mom on, um, Home Alone? Catherine O'Hara. Thank you, Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara. Uh, you know, that whole cast. Um, wonderful, wonderful actors. Really interesting bits, but it's just not funny. I would rather watch some Saturday Live. Uh, mind you, both during that era were not very funny. There was interesting ideas. But it's funny that SCTV has such a strong um, animation twist towards the 80s, because uh, the end of the 80s, because you had The Adventures of Ed Grimley, you had Camp Candy, and then you had Gravedale High with Rick Moranis. It's very strange that they did so many animated shows with those guys from SCTV. Huh. You know, speaking of Eugene Levy and uh, John Candy, it's like, yeah, they're in Armed and Dangerous together. Yeah, we are going to discuss that one day. We have a other show that we do called Video Night, where we discuss movies that non-animated, um, where we usually pick either a topic or the feature or something like that. Uh, we are going to do an episode of Running Scared and Armed and Dangerous, because it's the 30th anniversary of both of those movies. They're both buddy cop kind of movies, and uh, we just love we just love these kind of movies, and we discuss them. So if you like movies, come on over to Video Night. Well, I definitely loved uh, Gregory Hines and Running Scared, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, of course, Billy Crystal's always great, but I mean, I have to give it to Gregory. Let's just say this. Every time I think of Running Scared, I always think of him going, Oh, no! Oh, oh, he's doing something stupid. Oh, no! <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, I know. Whenever it comes to Billy Crystal, he's always like, "Oh, you idiot!" Oh, and then he has to come in and save him. It says that Earthworm Jim is available completely on disc uh, at Amazon, and I don't believe that. I'm going to look that up right now because BEI is notorious for saying, "Hey, we have this TV show. We're going to release it on DVD." Fucking forever. You wait and 
until your ears fall off and your balls are on the floor and you're like, does anybody have a ball holder so I stop scraping my nuts? Is Earthworm Jim out on DVD? And someone goes, fuck you, shut up and go to bed. Like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm kind of mad. Sorry. <laughs> I know, it's okay. It's okay to be, sometimes it's okay to be mad. You don't have to be, you don't have to apologize. Did you know that you, you can download a new out. version of Earthworm Jim? What? There is a new version of Earthworm Jim. They remastered it in HD, and you can download it to your game console. <gasps> what? Oh, wait, no, that's right. I think they announced that when I had a PS3. That was years ago. Damn. Oh, God, why haven't I bought it yet? I'll, hopefully, I can play it on my PS4. Oh, it's so good. The, the game design is wonderful, and plus, um, just fun to play. And this is another one of those, like I was saying. I know, saying, it is. Like, these it's are one, one of those, those things where you just played it until you're play. like, I have to go to sleep. I'm going to drool all over the, the, <laughs> the game controls. Oh, yeah, it was one of those late-night uh, games. For me, it was that, the Streets of Rage game, Shinobi, uh, oh, excuse me, Sonic the Hedgehog, mm, Streets of Rage. Okay, I beat Streets of Rage, so, especially the third one. The third one, that was the most difficult. You actually had to beat it on hard to get the true ending. Did you know that Streets of Rage was of originally um, supposed to be an adaptation of Fire, the movie? Um, I think you mentioned this to me before. Yeah, it just for some reason they couldn't get the rights, or they took back the rights, and so they never called it Streets of Fire. Plus, the movie kind of bombed. Um, but overseas, Streets of Rage was originally designed to be an adaptation, and it never happened. No, but you tell, like, I think there were some parts where it, um, it did have like an homage to Streets of Fire. Okay, so I just looked this up. Earthworm Jim is available complete on DVD for $10 on Amazon, all three discs are featureless though so it's just the episodes no commentaries no bonus stuff which is weird because i if i remember correctly the vhs tapes does have bonus features so that's kind of it is kind of stupid i mean come on honestly when i want to get want to get a series or um a movie i want to get like the ultimate edition that has like all the special features so you know looking behind the scenes especially when it comes to you know something big like lord of the rings or you know Watchmen, any of the big like summer blockbuster movies. Yeah, don't tell like, me. Like I want to look into that. I want to see like how the you know some bonus features, some just pictures. Show some design pictures from ah, it's it's bullshit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't understand why they did. Cheap. It's lazy. Yeah, it is. It's pretty. Yeah, it's it's pretty dumb. I'm like it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I'm honestly like when uh, Batman versus uh, Superman comes out, I'm probably gonna I'm gonna look at the special features first, and then I'm gonna watch the ultimate edition. Yeah, I want to see the R-rated version. You know, that's why I held off. We were supposed to do an episode about that movie, but I was like, no, 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 hold on. They said they're going to release an R-rated version, so let's wait for that, and we'll discuss it. And it never came out. They teased me. They lied to me. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, when it comes out on uh, DVD, from the people who bought it early, I think they, since they pre-ordered it, they got an HD uh, streaming movie of it. Uh-huh. So they were able to see it from that. And from what I'm told, like, all, this, all the plot holes and stuff like that, like, it's, it's a much better, everybody's saying it's, like, a much better movie. Well, I say both cartoons well, yet... are, are absolute necessities. You need to watch Earthworm Jim and uh, definitely The Tick. Both are silly, fun, really well done. Um, would you agree or disagree? Oh, I'd highly agree. My God, I mean, you're looking at the animation like this. I, to me, this like really holds up. You know how, especially with The Tick, it seems like the animators who worked on Spider-Man worked on this, but I think it is actually Sunbow. much higher quality. Yeah, I think Sunbow is the company that did the tick, and pretty sure the same ones that did the 90s version of X-Men and Spider-Man. Yeah, but I think, well, Spider-Man had to use, they used a lot of repeat um, kind of action and images yeah. and just repasted it. But um, yeah, no, with the tick, it's always something new every time. Everything was just pretty much brought to, uh, everything was pretty much original. And Earthworm Jim, 
again, like I said, the voice acting, Dan Kessel, Kesselanta, and then of course Kat Susie as Princess What's Her Name. She's the, that that's pretty much just her name. It's Princess What's Her Name. I think that we're gonna have to create another round of our drink name. If we mispronounce, uh, let me try to get it right. Dan Castellaneta. If we mispronounce that, you take a Castellaneta. Castellaneta. Cast Castle Nutella. Casper the Castle Nutella. Castlevania. <laughs> Dan Castlevania. <laughs> I hope that I hope they I hope that franchise gets a new game. I can't. Uh, I'd love to play another Castlevania. I would too. I would like to see a cartoon of it, like a serious cartoon. Oh, wait, is there a serious cartoon? Did they make one? Oh. Mm, I don't know. There might be a uh, there might be an anime version of it somewhere, only in Japan. But I'd I'd love to watch it. Okay, everybody. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, it's fifteen minutes longer than it usually is. Oh, wait, wait, uh, sixteen minutes longer than it usually is. So I hope you like the new version. We'll be adding some more news segments. Um, maybe next time I'll actually be prepared ahead of time. I'm a jackass. Sorry. Um, Jacob's just along for the ride sometimes, and he's like, "What are you gonna do now?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Uh, so everybody, thank I know. You. Thank you so much for the support through those first 100 episodes. We want to take this to a new level. We want to make this a better show, more sound clips, but a tighter editing. Um, uh, I'm going to stop drinking so much. Uh, I'm going to get high more often. That actually is like a better idea. If you hear me uh, gurgling on a bong, that's what's going on. Um, hits from the bong! <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a plant. It's natural. It's good for you, Michael. <laughs> it's a vegetable I'll in a smoke it, form. I'll put it in my salad. Um, that is the end of the episode here. Check <laughs> us out on Facebook under Back in Tunes. You can see every single stinking episode. A few that we're ashamed of. A few that we might want to think about redoing and erasing from our history. Um, <laughs> the one where the, the air conditioner keeps going off in the background. Or that one that we ate. We thought it would be funny if we ate food through the whole beginning of the Swamp Thing episode, I think it was. Which is another stupid and dumb thing to do. Um, so I think, we, I think we've got beyond that point. Uh, <laughs> Nicholas Cage will be back. Trust me. I think he's in the room right now. And, uh, uh, so that's actually, of... no, I'm house sitting right now. So I have him locked up in my, oh. I have him locked up and I'm not going to let him out. You, you, he, you, just, uh... you just release him when you need some rent money. He'll go out and do another movie. Uh, you know, he does a movie, what, like six times a year, so you have to let him out for some air anyway, so you might as well shoot a movie. Yeah, but he, he's had too much air. He's had too much vitamin D and. Quite frankly, he could just live off his fat for a little while. He'll be fine. He'll be okay. Well, no, he'll live off of he'll live off, live off of John Travolta's fat that he absorbed from when they switched faces in Face Off. That makes no sense to me, by the way. They switched faces, and John Travolta's skinny, Nick Cage, and then he goes back to being John Travolta, and they put the fat back on. I'm like, whoa, hold on, wait, what? The face, I get it's your face, but you did you have fat pumped into you? I don't understand. They took it out. Yeah. Huh? I guess he kind of had to get the fat pumped into him. I don't know, because uh, Nicolas Cage really wanted to be Archer, and nobody would believe him. It's like, oh my gosh, how could you lose that much weight in such a long time, in such a short amount ridiculous. of time? They should have found two actors that look alike. I don't understand that. It's boneheaded. This episode isn't ending, by the way, everybody. This is going to be a, a filibuster episode. It's going to be the longest episode you can find <laughs> until somebody does something about the madness that goes on in this world. And the only way to stop the madness out there is to entertain you and for me to say something that means more now than ever before. Be excellent. Stop hurting. Stop holding each other down to make yourselves feel. I know a lot of us don't know how to function without having a villain to make us feel like a hero. How about this? How about we hold each other up and we all be heroes? Exactly. Jacob, send I mean, us out. Especially after what's been going on lately. Seriously, Jacob, send us out with the best thing you can say because it's such a wonderful way to end, up this, end an episode. Namaste and good luck. <laughs>